Hey, so our good friends, old friends, tech partners are in town from Train Roll. Good to see you guys. Good to see you. Good to be here as well, John and Ted. Speak, Ben. Ben, is this the first time you've ever been live on the podcast? This is the first time. No. This is not Costa Mesa back in the day in well, the flesh. It's a little bit different now. Now we're in this dope podcast room. It feels different. Yeah, it feels I, different. I mean, there's a lot of lights in here. It feels like a little higher pressure. And <laughs> are there four people listening now or five? Uh, well, counting our, well, the I don't premier know. podcast in strength and conditioning. Well, we got we broke Texas Dad. One. And other than that, I don't know who it is. I mean, my wife doesn't yeah. listen to it. I'll send it to my wife. <laughs> She won't listen. No, she, my wife wouldn't listen. She's no. like, what do I want to listen to you drone like, on? I hear you drone on you all, all day long. <laughs> I was trying to convince my wife to come on the podcast, and she's like, no. I got no desire. Yeah. Better things to do. Well, let's yeah. take a step back. So Ben, uh, you know, uh, creative founder, I mean, you know, started Train Heroic in your basement with with you and Josh just hacking away on a computer. Yep. And then uh, it's obviously evolved into what we see now. Um so little origin story, and then we'll jump in and get into Adam and yep. what he does, and more importantly, what you are here to drop on the listeners cool. for new features for Train Rock. Yeah, so um, I guess fast origin story, Josh, or I guess John teed it up. Uh, so Josh and I started the company years ago, man. I think it was about nine years ago at this point. Yep. And, uh, you know, the two of us were just athletes and coaches uh, with just a dream and not a lot of direction. Um, and ver- like, ironically, basically the exact same vision we have today, just no real way of how to get to it. Right. And I think that's one of the things I've learned just as a founder is you kind of have this vision, but the vision's not necessarily clear on day one. You're like, I know intuitively I need to go over there, but how do I piece it together? How do I get it clearer? And over time it increases in resolution. You start to see in three dimension what this thing could look like and become. And I think, uh, over time we've been lucky enough to surround ourselves with really good people. Um, and we've kind of been just good people collectors. And, and these people, whether it's partners like y'all uh, or people uh, in our company like Adam, um, have continually improved that experience and just made it richer and made it become the vision that I think we've had in the, the very beginning. Um, so humbly, we came out of Chicago. We've been in Colorado now for seven years. Um, and really, I think we've we've started to accelerate things over the last couple of years uh, where that's becoming more of an impactful movement. Um, and the network itself, that's the thing we focus on. That's what we really want to grow is we want to have the biggest network of coaches and athletes in the world. And um, and we want to help them find joy in the journey of training. That's what we always talk about is the difference between what we do and, say, other workout apps, things of that nature, is it's, it's training, not working out. Um, and inherent in the training experience is it's strenuous. It's hard. Uh, it's constantly uncomfortable. And, you know, as, as much as people don't like it, sometimes it becomes monotonous and repetitive. Like good training oftentimes is doing the same things kind of over and over at an increased load. Um, and to that end, we've said, hey, how do we make this not necessarily easier, but more enjoyable? How do we make this something that you find more meaning in as an experience? Um, and over the past year in particular, we've really started to ground on that and think through what that could mean. Um, and how do we then amplify that experience for people? And the reality is, um, training is a very personal experience. That's what we've learned through our research is, you know, we get really close to our customers. We do a ton of interviewing. We do a lot of surveys. We look at the actual usage data and we try to listen to that, um, in a holistic way that helps send some signals about where we should go next and what we should do. And throughout that process, 
one of the things that has just become increasingly clear is how personal that experience is and that not everybody wants the same experience. And so um, we've been putting together a pro version of our product for athletes. And that experience has, has relied on a lot of the research that we've done and some of our own personal experiences as well, um, which um, Adam, Adam Dottie here, who's our product manager and oversees that entire mission, our training mission, um, has kind of led the effort, right? And he's done a fantastic job working along our, on, alongside our engineers, our designers, to really put this thing together and make it a holistic experience that helps people commit more to their journey, helps people, you know, use use different engagement tools, use different monitoring tools so that they can ultimately become their best. Um, and so it's, I, what I would say full on is it's not a thing that's going to be for everybody, right? This experience is definitely something that is a more professional experience. It's going to be a big upgrade that I think people are going to really enjoy. Um, but it's going to be an experience that I think will challenge people and allow them to find a deeper connection with it, the, with their dream. So. No, I mean, that's a, that's a pretty good overview. I mean, let's get into the nuts and bolts and really examine, um, like, let's say the average user on train heroic, you know, following uh, Jack street field strong, whatnot, like how does this improve their experience? And more importantly, like, what is that research taught you in terms of like the specialization? I mean, we've been talking about for, you know, since, you know, last night, the dawn of time. Yeah, no. Well, it's, uh, it's a lot of the things that we discussed seven, eight years ago that are finally coming to fruition. And uh, I think it's an exciting deal. So let's get into the specifics. Yeah, I mean, as Ben said, we did a lot of research on this. And I mean, we spent 30-ish hours talking to uh, customers of Train Hook, and, and a lot of them were power athlete customers, probably at least two thirds of those, which is awesome. I mean, we have a lot of engaged people who wanna give us feedback. And, you know, right now we have uh, the pro features in early access and uh, power athlete members are getting access to that. and giving us good feedback, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we thought about and did some research on the, you know, the use case, how people are actually using the, the app and how they're following along with uh, Power Athlete, with their own field strong in your, in your teams, they're all awesome. But, you know, and we thought, well, hey, this is, and COVID highlights this a lot too, right? Which is, you know, we're all remote and in some cases more isolated than usual. But, you know, training and following a program remotely through a phone, you know, you lose some of that kind of the in-person kind of the kick you get from being with other people. Um, and, you know, you don't have to be like a super competitive person to like, you know, not want to let people down. Like we were training earlier and Tex, you know, I was doing a new movement and I wanted to, you know, I did, I would have done a little less, but Tex was there and he, you know, Tex is a good coach too, obviously, but you know, I probably did 50% more work just because mm-hmm. Tex was there and, you know, I was having so many. Well, you wanted to do 150% more. Well, you know, I, I wanted to keep up with you, man, you know, so I didn't want to let you fail. Well, let's we'll go do that here. Well, I appreciate it. Success for certain. <laughs> Success for certain. I like that. But, that I mean, but it's just an example. Like, you know, I, I would have probably kind of taken baby steps on it today. Uh, but, you know, with a little bit of help and encouragement, I was able to do more. Yeah. And I, I mean, I, 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 I got a good training session and, you know, we, we were doing the uh, active foot split squats, right? It's a new movement for me. So that was cool. Um, but trying to bring that to everyone, right? Some element of how do we reproduce some of this in-person feeling? You know, what are the, some of the things you get out of being out of the people? Like, you know, we can't exactly do that, but one of the things you do is you look around the room and you see what people are doing. And you wanna be, you know, you wanna fit in with the group, right? So if everybody else is doing, yeah, uh, we were doing the split squats and, you know, it's, you don't wanna let people down. Like, you know, you don't have to go out and I don't have to do what the way Tex was doing. I was being a little silly for a second, but you do wanna measure up a bit. 
you know, like, okay, I actually tried hard. Mm-hmm. Like I actually, I actually did put out a good effort today, even if, you know, I had to restrain myself a bit, you know, I felt good about it. And so that's why, you know, part of uh, the pro solution is this called stack up. And it is, you know, it's a leaderboard based tool. Um, but we also pull some data out of that leaderboard. So we've created some percentiles and stuff like that. So, you know, when you log a certain number of reps, your performance for that rep range then is compared against the leaderboard. Um, and then it just pulls out kind of a percentile where you rank there. So you can measure your own progress like that. So yeah, like if today you're 30th percentile, you know, maybe next week you bump up a few and we give you, there's little carrots in there. That, and that's what that's meant to be is like, there's a little thing. Okay. If you go up five pounds on this, you'll pass a hundred people or something. Yep. So it's like a little carrot. Maybe next time around, you're like, Hmm, if I can just progress less than 5% or something, you know, I get, I get a little bit of signal that like that, that my progress not only mattered to me, but it also like, there's a, there's another measuring stick of that. Sure. Right. So it's like, you know, you have a moving dirt, like volume's great. Like well, dirt uh, here and there, you know? it's the Milo bowl progressive overload, mm-hmm. you know, like, uh, you know, Milo was small, the bowl was small as you got bigger, the bill had sure. to get bigger. So, uh, like, I think, uh, what's been interesting and in, like, you know, programs like bedrock, which have built in linear progressions, I think a lot of times, um, at least, you know, for our training, like, you know, pushing people to be able to, you know, Hey, if you hit a new five RM, great, that's, uh, you know, good information, but then using those percentages in a meaningful way, if you, if you're yeah. going to do some of that stuff, right. uh, the biggest thing is really just like the, and when we, we saw this back in the old days in CrossFit football, where somebody would like, you know, Hey, what's your height and weight? And that was like a big one where people were trying to size everybody up. Oh, like, Hey, we're of similar size. We're of similar age. We're hitting similar numbers. And now I start creating this like virtual competition. Now I've created like, you know, my clubber lang, you know, for those of you guys who are Rocky three fans. Yeah. It, yeah. In the, the comments section of the old CrossFit football website, you would say McQuilkin five, seven, 185 pounds. Are you rounding? No, I'm, I'm saying what I was before I started cross. Yeah. Now he's six, five, 400. I got taller. I put on some more weight. No, better looking, better weight. looking. Yeah. So that way the, the name you're able to establish. Okay. This person's similar to me. I'll respect that. Or damn props. You're yeah. strong as fuck. Well, but we also have to be like the, the other one was, uh, there was always this inherent idea that maybe somebody was bullshitting you. Yeah. So like that, the old, like, uh, you know, unless you post video, it didn't happen. Yeah. So I think that was a big issue we've seen within the leaderboard for years mm-hmm. is this idea that, uh, you know, some fucking crazy person is out there just like putting out these numbers to fucking, you know, catfish or troll people. Yeah, sure. So I think that there has to be some form of, and I think we're going into that yep. having some video verification and saying, Hey, this is, you know, I mean, cause a lot of times people will post shit and I'll be like, great, tag me on Instagram. Yeah, if you're going to do this, yeah, I want to see it, yeah. you know, and, uh, you know, a lot of times in the narrative on the programs, I'm like, Hey, tag John Wellborn, uh, I'll respond, I'll repost it, whatever I want to see it. And I probably get anywhere from, you know, five, 10, 15 of those a day. Sure. And it's cool to drop in and see not only where people are training, cause I'm always, I'm always fascinated by where people are training. You'll see like a squat rack and this, you'll see a laundry machine. You'll yep. see like a kid in a stroller. Yep. You'll see like, you know, all of a sudden they have like our flags on the wall and you're like, fuck dude. Like that guy's getting it in in like a two hundred square foot like closet. Yeah. You know? Well, I think that's that to me is exactly what it's all about, right? What Train Heroic is different in is that we are building a performance network, and performance is not this like exclusive hardcore thing where it's like nobody can participate and it's like this very ivory tower perspective. It's a very inclusive uh, attempt to build a performance brand where it's like you know Nike used to say, if you have a body, you're an athlete. And the athlete, we certainly have professional athletes. We had a bunch of Olympians who are like, you can see on Stack Up, you can go look up Olympians and you can go see some folks that like, wow, those people are pretty hardcore and they throw up some big weights and whatnot. 
most of our users, 99%, are what we call the everyday athlete. And these are people, when we're thinking about an athlete, there's kind of two orientations. Number one, right, for an athlete is you have to be inherently committed. That's what being an athlete's about. It's about putting on that athlete mindset. Be willing to go through struggle. Be willing to remain committed to a goal that's more meaningful. Um, and then number two, you also have to want to compete a little bit. That's inherently what being an athlete is, right? That's where that word actually comes from. And so um, there's different kind of orientations towards training, certainly. And people in particular will verbalize like, ah, leaderboards and stuff. Like this stresses me out. This does this or yeah. this. And it's like developing a mature perspective towards competition is certainly, I think, part of your evolution as an athlete. You don't have to beat everybody to derive value from knowing where people are at, right? And it's all about you moving up that thing. And so as Adam and Kelly and, and co have designed this experience, we've really shifted the leaderboard, right? Even the view, the focus is not necessarily on the top people. When you log into Stack Up, you click through into the card, you go into the, the machine, what you see is you right in the center and then the people, the five people above you, the five people below you. And the idea here is that it's all about your journey. We won't really want to focus people on their journey and their progress in their journey. And it doesn't mean that you have to beat these people on top. It might be interesting and novel to be like, what's possible, right? Kind of the banister effect. Like, I want to see that you can break a, a four-minute mile. This is important to me just so I know what's possible for me as a human. But I'm also on my own journey. And that might mean I just need to leap up 10 spots for me to feel a sense of progress. And if I just keep doing the work, I keep moving the dirt, then I can do that more regularly. So I think that's what we're focused on. Yeah. Um, it's going on. Thunderstorm going on upstairs. Yeah. Sorry. Some people stacking up upstairs. Yeah. yeah we're stacking bodies. You know how it is. <laughs> the bodies hit the floor. No, I mean, dude, it's, it's, uh, like this is something that we've talked about for, for years. I mean, this idea of delivering virtual programming to people and then having plug in. I mean, we, we tested it by running a free program across a football. And I think like, at one point, I mean, I remember the first day we launched, we had 17,000 hits. Yep. And so, I mean, there were literally thousands of people following this program. And then we had a really cool opportunity to go teach seminars and go out and meet the people globally over you know, almost a decade. Yep. And what was cool was that uh, the results were all very, very similar. People would come over and they'd like want to, you know, I could see them and be like, all right, we're going to have a programming talk. I've been doing this program. This is something amazing. And everybody had these like incredible origin stories and these successes. And you start realizing like over time, um, you start seeing these patterns, you know, like, Hey, everybody's been doing this. These are the results. Um, but there was always this kind of desire to like make a more custom access. Like uh, social media has allowed us to drop in and, mm -hmm. you know, see if people film it. But I think being able to create community in interesting ways and constantly challenge people and remind people that, Hey, other people, and I don't know, I mean, there's kind of a weird balance and, you know, we've seen it with, uh, you know, oh, this isn't about everybody. I'm on this journey and this. And it's like, well, at the end of the day, everybody wants to know yep. how they stack up, yep. you yep. know, and the name is perfect. Like, how do yep. you stack up against the people of similar? And I think, like, uh, you know, I was going through it and there's some dude with, like, an 800-pound squat. Um, the dude's a power lifter. Yep. And, like, that's exactly. what he does, you know. And it's like, you know, okay, so are you going to stack up against that guy? Well, no, he's specifically training for something like he doesn't fit within like the every, I mean, maybe an everyday athlete, maybe just a normal dude in his garage, but somebody who's specifically training to squat bench and deadlift. Whereas I think people are looking for more of a, like, like you said, a holistic training program that allows them to go out and live their best life. Because unfortunately, uh, training for an 800 pound squat doesn't necessitate running well. 
yep. or really, you know, I mean, a certain rigidity you need to do it just diminishes your ability to do other things. Yep. So I think, in, uh, you know, and then the idea of uh, creating communities and, um, you know, finding people that fit within your tribe. Yeah, I mean, we are both garage athletes. Yeah, for sure. And so part of that also just comes from our own experience. We see the same thing, right? When you talk about your users posting on Instagram and they're like lifting their laundry machine potentially or they're lifting whatever, that's our reality. And you do feel isolated at times, so you want to see what else is out there, right? And as just a broad vision for what we're doing, we're trying to create the world's largest virtual gym. That's all it is. No walls, no boundaries. Anybody can access it. It's super affordable, world-class expertise right at the core, a great community of people who are going to push you along, and everything you need to get the job done, right, in a really high-performance way. And that's, the, you know, the mission we talk about is bringing performance to the people. And it's like this thing used to be really hardcore, but nowadays like we can make this thing accessible for everybody at a ridiculously low price point. And I think that's what we're ultimately after. Um, and in that experience, like, I mean, y'all know my background training. It's like, I, I don't push myself anymore. Straight up. I have no problem. How come? Well, I have a laundry list. Oh, of, yeah, I know. So look at like, go. now we excuses. get into the excuses. Yeah. Yeah. Hold on. Um, let me pull. Let me pull out my notepad. Number one. Number two. No. List them off. Uh, no, Ben. I mean, you do. You've been through the ringer, dude. I mean, I remember when um, you know I met you, and then you were hitting me up about like you know, hey, I'm having these hip issues. What do you think? And uh, I remember when you called me and said, hey, they're going to do this experiment or this surgery where they're going to basically this saw experiment. me in half. <laughs> it like <laughs> well, it, you broke the saw. It is a fucking experiment because I had never heard of it. Yeah. Like the fact that like the doctor realized like, okay, the angles at which your hips are sitting is not conducive for hip health, even though it was extremely beneficial for explosion and, you know, internal hip torque and other things just biomechanically. So then basically to slice you and rotate your hips and then stitch you back together. I was like, holy shit, dude. Yeah. Humpty I mean, Dumpty. Cause what was the option? It was a dual hip replacement, which wouldn't last long. No, I mean, I'm what's, a youngish dude. What's what's the uh, what's the outcome on a hip replacement? Like ten years, twelve years, uh, fifteen to twenty 15, if you're lucky. But fifteen to twenty if you're lucky. But if you're thirty and you're staring down the barrel of that thing, it's like, well, I can do the math. I get two of these. You can only have two uh, in your lifetime, mm -hmm. and then they wear out. And that's you know, fifteen's like if you're living reasonably, you're not doing very yeah, much. Yeah, twelve like, if you're yeah. like a. So if you're if you're sending it, you're going after it. Like I'm just like, okay, well, if you say 15, that means 10 for me, and me. I get two of these, which gets me to about 52. And I'm planning and to what? live. Another... I want to live, yeah. So. And then what do you just confine to uh, nothing? Yeah, I, they don't answer those pieces. <laughs> yeah, so you're just like, I got to do the other thing that sucks. But tying that back to stack up, it's like I haven't pushed myself because of that fear for a while. And I also haven't had a, enough of an external stimulus as a, a remote garage athlete to just be pulled. But now that I have like stack up, I can just kind of like look in there. And honestly, the, the biggest thrill I get out of it as a user is just um, doing like really obtuse exercises. You know, it's like, yeah, I'm, right. I'm not gonna PR my back squat anymore. I'm not gonna, like, those days are behind me. I'm good. I like, I actually don't care. That's not like what gets me going. But it's there will be these somewhere, somewhere you care. The problem is, is that if you mentally care, then it's going to not end up in a good place. You have to detach yourself yeah. from those outcomes. And you're like, you know, training to me and, and much of life is just like pick something that you can progress in. And you have to understand that at a certain point, you're not going to progress past that. So then the best way to make yourself satisfied is honestly just switch to a new thing. Mm -hmm. And there are so many in the universe of, of strength and conditioning. There's so many exercises. There's so many opportunities to progress. There's so many things you could be getting better at that. It's like, look, just move up a different ladder. And I've found that through stack up. It's like I'm selecting now exercises that are inherently good for me 
you know, within my constraints and all, all, all of the limitations I have today, but I can still go hard on them. And then I can say, hey, like I'm novice at this, but I can improve and beat 10 more people today. And then I can beat 10. Like I'm a competitive dude. I have no, like, Is, uh, like that's like taboo now. So I'm, with, I'm okay uh, with that. So like um, with this stack up, uh, is it, I mean, obviously we've rolled out the pro just for power yep. athletes, yep. just you know, as a beta, as a test, but when it, once it happens, is it going to like, if, uh, if you're doing, if you're following, I don't know, Ben strong and you're doing single leg RDL with a dumbbell yep. and you're able to hit 90 yep. and, uh, is that putting you in a leaderboard against the whole train heroic community that happened to be doing single yep. leg RDLs? Yeah, and not just that day. It's all time. Yeah, all so time. So we'll be able to compare you against people like you in the entire universe of training. And the idea is to just increasingly personalize it over time. So so, so does there have to be a standardization in the train heroic, uh, like uh, lexicon, uh, like working, like, like programming, like movement? So like as I'm sitting here and I, and I write like, hey, single leg RDL, yeah. um, you know, and somebody else puts like one leg RDL. Yep. So how does that necessarily cross with like the lexicon? Because uh, back in the day when we had Train Heroic, uh, in the early iterations before all these other monkeys got involved, there was like <laughs> we had to like create these unique. We were the monkeys. Now the humans are yeah. involved. Oh yeah, no, the we intelligent were, folks. Well, like yeah. Yeah, well, when people bitch about Train Heroic, they're like, oh, this. I'm like, oh, you should have seen this man. shit like seven iterations yeah. ago or twelve iterations. But like that, we created like, um, and I think it had to do with when we were originally on the WordPress or Power Athlete yep. Field Strong, we had to create these unique names so that it would link. Yep. So like that's, yeah. So so then when we came to Train Heroic, we just carried over. So like some things are single leg, some things yep. one leg, whatever. So as I was thinking about it, I'm like, okay, back squat is back squat, easy. Uh, you know, press. Like Pause. This, There's not, there are not more easy. different versions of back squat names in the system, you think. Most people use just back squat. Let's say barbell back squat or well, barbell back squat. So we, yeah. BB back squat. So uh, we've, we've, we've gone to like, so we have back squat, we have barbell back squat. Right. And uh, because, you know, like we'll give people the option like, hey, uh, if you have some different bars, like oh, a camber sure, bar, okay. you have safety squat. I'll tell you this. Uh, I was just out working with um, Carolina football. So mm -hmm. uh, their strength coach hit me up. But we Charlotte. Went, I'm sorry, Charlotte football out in uh, uh, North Carolina. And um, so their strength coach brought me in, and it was pretty interesting, like, uh, seeing these guys squat and then actually seeing the improvement of their squat with the safety squat bar. I'm like, I don't even know if I would ever have a fucking football player barbell back squat again uh, when we have access to a safety squat bar. Yeah. And so, like, when people ask me, like, hey, what's something you think is very important? I'm like, fuck, if you can get that. And mm -hmm. I like trap bars. But um, – like now I'm just wondering if like, okay, you put safety squat bar and there's so many different versions of like, well, is it a Kabuki bar? Is it an elite yep. bar? Is it this and you know whatnot? So I'm yeah. just wondering how that like standardization piece works because there's going to be a lot of bitching in that way. Yeah. I mean, to some extent we are, we are doing a lot of work to try to essentially merge that data together in the way it makes sense. So like you said, different names for the same thing, one arm dumbbell row, single arm dumbbell row, that kind of stuff. But, um, with the, like Ben was saying with the leaderboards too, it's like some of those things are going to be like, they're going to be very close, right? We're not, we're probably not going to go and look at these secondary exercises and try to merge like all the variations together. They will stand on their own more likely. Sure. You know, so there's, there's a list of, yeah, I'm not even sure how many it's going to be because we're working I think right we have 1,200 you know? movements. Yeah, right. I'm trying to pull that up right now. Yeah, yeah, no, you, I, you guys have a lot. Uh, yeah. Like, so, uh, yeah, we, well, I mean, we have multiple programs, mm -hmm. you know, with different focuses and, and this whole deal. And then we just yeah. keep adding to them. 
but uh, so some things are going to remain like power athlete only, like because it's you just have some stuff nobody else is doing for sure. Yeah, and so that you're, you'll have subtly your leaderboard like you do today, but it just would be constrained to power athlete data. Gotcha. We, just, we can't combine it with other stuff. There's plenty of that. Yeah, so you guys are still going to have that, which for your athletes, you get the advantage of being a big community with lots of people logging training data. So it's definitely going to be, you know, somebody else might not have the data for those things that you guys will. So mm-hmm. um, that'll be an advantage for your members for sure. Um, so what five movements are you going to pick, Ben? To get better at? No, like like I'm thinking like like if you were to sit down and be like, okay, hey, I know I'm, I'm limited due to, you know, the surgery and kind of my outcomes. If you could put and say, all right, like, and, and that's something that as we approach people, uh, you know, like I think we we do rep maxes and we have a bunch of standardization, like we can see. But I wonder if there's like a, a like a personal code for mm-hmm. each individual and being like, hey, you know, I want to task all you guys to pick five movements mm-hmm. yep. that you want to improve upon. Yep. What are those movements? And so for most people, they're gonna be like, well, deadlift. Let's say just go deadlift, squat, bench, mm-hmm. yep. uh, you know, pull up, and um, fucking I don't know, supine ring row. Yep. Um, what five movements fit within your man? Uh, well, first of all, good. Good feature request because yeah. we're doing that. Um, but the idea to basically select. Like we talked about this before. It's like we Brian. <laughs> um, but it is. It's like you have to. Like there is this whole universe. And you could busy yourself with trying to get good at everything. You're probably not going to get good at anything. And so streamlining this thing down and trying to figure out like what are my actual goals right now? How do I, I really want to get better? And for me, I think it's aligning like what are my interests to also like what is actually good for me? Because I'm interested in plenty of things that are not good for me. But uh, things like a, a Bulgarian split squat, right? That'd be great for me. I can load it as heavy as I want without any real issue. Um, and then competing, not necessarily globally, but more so with people in my age group, within my training domain, within my weight class, mm-hmm. right? And so finding people who are like me in this, and I can say, okay, cool, like, let me go after these dudes, mm-hmm. right? We're all at kind of the same level set. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. And so, um, I think that and will would these be, be across the universe, like so, like across the universe, the galaxies of, and everything of, in between of like the galaxy of train heroics. So, like mm-hmm. I might like let's say, uh, you know, we're testing. I don't know, bent over barbell rows, and you're on one program on another, but like so, it's kind of a interesting way to compare maybe, program up, compare so program even, up, like downstream. Too. Like you can take your star coaches who are really good putting out high performers and you can start to look and say, okay, who produces the most high performers and given, mm-hmm. given exercise. Like that's absolutely something that I think downstream is once, I mean, we have this huge data set, right? We have millions of people who are in this ecosystem. So millions it's like and millions and millions, millions and millions, billions and billions. Billions. God, it's my favorite Trump meme. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it. I love that. The bill. Have you seen the video where it's just basically somebody, cut all the clips of him saying billions and then linked it into like a four minute YouTube clip. It's like billions and billions and billions. Oh fuck. We watched it with the kids and they are due to this day. They'll joke around. They'll be like billions and billions. I'll be like, yep, Trump. It's awesome. Yep. Yep. There were some gems. Um, so, I mean, I, I think things like that, um, you know, everything upper body is pretty much in bounds for me at this point. Um, there's nothing too wrong with that. So I could get good at that, but like, for me right now, you know, I've shifted even orientation in sport. There was a while where I was doing competitive CrossFit and weightlifting then I got into bobsled. Now I'm actually really into like mountain biking. So my orientation has to change. And so from a strength perspective, I have to be good enough, but aerobically I have to be better. Right. What do you think about the electric bikes, the electric mountain bikes? I'll tell you a story about those. So I was in Aspen 
and I'm killing my, so my, I have a buddy who used to be like athlete marketing manager for Red Bull and he is like hardcore action sports athlete and a really good one. Um, and I'm just chasing after this dude as he climbs like a 30 minute climb in Aspen. And I'm just like, you know, 11,000 feet just, <clears throat> and I'm like, Oh my God, I'm dead. And then I'm looking for my other buddy who's behind us and he's like 10 minutes behind. And I'm like, what is going, what's wrong with this guy? And then I see this bike that's just screaming up this hill at a clip. I'm like, this doesn't even make any sense. And as he gets near, I recognize he's 75 years old. Like this is an old man. And I'm like, I haven't seen one of these electric mountain bikes. I've seen a lot of electric bikes. Yeah. But these mountain bikes are just as kitted as any Yeti bike or anything yeah. like that. Dual suspension, everything else. And it is screaming up this thing. And I'm like, you know, I'm so aghast because I have nothing left in me. I'm like, am I seeing straight? What is going on? And he gets up there. He's like, how y'all doing? I'm like, how do you have the breath, my man? And he's like, oh, I didn't pedal once. And you're like, oh, he's like, no, no. I just hit the button on the way up and then I pedal on the way down. <laughs> and he's like, this lets me go see anything I want. I'm going to go 30 miles today. I'm like, huh? So, yeah, they are wild. Uh, dude. They're uh, really cool. So, my buddy Thad Cheat has codes. one. And um, it's like uh, like 30% assistance. So, it's like dual suspension. I get on the thing. And I'm like, I've never ridden it. So, I get on. You start pedaling. And all of a sudden, I'm like fucking flying up this hill. And I'm like, you got to be shitting me. It's not 30%. Uh, dude, well, the one no that he, he has is 30, 30%. Like, I was yeah. humping pretty good. Yeah. But the speed at which I was getting up, I was like, holy it's shit. It's nonsense. Like, he was climbing at probably 10 miles an hour. Which, like, you're climbing if you're huffing like two five <laughs> on, on a grade like we were on. You're like, this is, you know, a technical grade. It's hard. Like, if you're doing five, you're clipping. And this guy is just motoring. And I'm like, I don't even understand what I'm seeing right now. Does that make you want to go over and push him over? Or does it make you want to go get his bike? Uh, I was just happy for him. I was, I was just like, I'm glad you're 75 years old and on this mountain at all. Yeah. That is impressive. Yeah. You know, if he was like young, I'd definitely shove him down the mountain. <laughs> just you're go like, over. They're, they're, you're like, hey, can I see your bike? And you go over and just punch him in the face. <laughs> yeah. like, Fuck you. But these old dudes, I mean, it's... It is cool seeing people who don't have access to nature, don't have access to activity, who still can participate in that space because they're given that. Otherwise, it's like, what are you going to do? Sit at home, watch the news? Yeah. Just like drown yourself in nonsense. It's like, you no, know, people are still, especially in Colorado, they're getting out. They're doing well, stuff. Um, and also for the kids. Yeah. Uh, I kind of liked it for them. Like uh, when we were in, um, God, where did we go? Was it? No, it wasn't Aspen we went to. We went to. Tell your ride. Yeah, tell your ride. And uh, we got out there and like did just a little bit of mountain biking with the kids. And like they got gassed so, so quick that like I was like, let's just ride around the town. Yeah. Like I was like, I wanted out like yeah. we we hit like one little ascent, we get to the top, and then all of a sudden oh. as I'm like, they were like, ah, oh, and then I had to like go down and carry their bikes up. Yeah. And I'm like, fuck, like this I, was a great idea. Yeah. I was like, togetherness, family. <laughs> and then they were like, Can Carrying we just ride bikes? I was like, Can we just ride? And then, and then they were like, Can we just ride up and down on the gondola? I'm like, Yeah, let's do yeah. that. Uh but I remember like when I saw those electric bikes, I'm like, dude, this would be perfect for the kids. Yep. Cause I mean, you know, they get winded super fast and like this would give them the ability to keep up and see cool stuff and go to places. Cause a lot of the best places, like they're just harder to get to, Yeah, you know? And it's like, there's some people for whom it's like, that should be a strenuous thing. You push yourself to get to other people are just like not going to access it. And so for them to get to participate, it's just like, it's a way better world for all of us. I think. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm blown away by them. Like I, uh, when I rode that bike, I like came home and was like looking them up. And of course they're like all back ordered. They're like yeah. six to nine Dude, months. Buying a bike right now is basically yeah. impossible. I tried to buy my wife like a $300 Swint and it was like, 
oh, you can get this in two years. Yeah. And you're like, no, we just need a bike to go around the neighborhood. Yeah. This is all we're trying to do. We moved to the suburbs. She wants to cruise with her kid. Impossible. Yeah. Can't do it. Oh, I know. It's, uh, yeah, no, it's insane. Like, uh, they, uh, I'm on like a waiting list for these yep. bikes. And uh, I thought it would be dope to like, because uh, they, they got some really bitching mountain bike trails. They got uh, like Rhymer's Ranch. This hill country channels. looks cool. Yeah, yeah no, they I got some cool stuff. That. Yeah. The, uh, the only problem in Texas is there's only about 3% public land. Mm-hmm. So everything's private. So uh, like uh, Rhymer's Ranch, which uh, was a huge ranch that they gave to the county. Um, you can go there and they got some really bitching trails and we, we go down to the, um, like the Perdinalis runs through there. So we'll go down there and take the kids swimming. But man, if we did that, but like the biggest issue I run into is every time we get out in these things or we go hiking, everything, the kids are like, I'm so tired. Yeah. It's so hot. Yeah. And then I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, now I got to carry these yeah, damn yeah. things. You little <laughs> bastards. Daddy, the Sherpa. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like riding down, trying to like carry their bikes up to the yeah. top. I'm like, oh, this is not the life I thought I would have. <laughs> I'm like, what do you mean you don't have leg strength to get up there? Like, we're nine years old. <laughs> I'm like, you got to um, get trained in them, man. I know. My dad would. Well, the problem, too, is living here in Texas. And then we go to Telluride. Oh, like, yeah. uh, like the it gassed them. Oh, yeah. You know, like I'm the like. Base is, base is nine. I think you right. Dude, uh, when we took the gondola up, just seeing those homes that are like, you know, because like in uh, where we would go skiing, we grew up like it was in Mammoth. Yep. And like, uh, like California is way different. But like there, it's like the fact that you have enough money to physically buy something on one of the slopes. Yep. Like you just come out and you're like, oh, I'm just going to ski to the bottom, you know, like I yep. ah, fucking love it. Yeah. It's a, it's, I mean, if you're out there, you're living good. Yeah. It's a pretty good life. Yeah. No, I'm. Yeah, I definitely like to go back. Colorado is one of those places that uh, is is you know pretty amazing to go see. So leaping off the point of John not being ready to carry all these bikes, the second leg of of pro. <laughs> nice segue, Ben. Yeah, that was very smooth, <laughs> subtle. Uh, yeah. So part of the athlete pro is uh, you know we've had that readiness survey in the app for a long time. Yeah. And you know when we talked to even long term members, power athlete or other people who've been you know doing that thing for a while, well, we heard a lot. You know, we heard some people are like, oh, I don't really get it. But we heard yep. it more often where people who are like, actually, I really like the uh, the fact that it asked me to check in with myself every day. Yep. Like just taking the survey, just answering five easy questions was just like, how am I doing today? Like, how am I like sleeping lately? That kind of thing. Well, well we uh, we read all the research about the readiness surveys compared to like other metrics for uh, testing everything mm-hmm. from like um, uh, HRV yep. uh, to like, uh, you know, grip testing. I mean, there's like a million different ones. And actually, the readiness surveys of just asking people how they feel were by far the most accurate and the greatest indicators. Yeah, and especially when you're talking about uh, mixed training, so like both you know conditioning and strength or more strength-based work, like HRV kind of just kind of gets thrown off the rails sometimes there. So, and it doesn't cover things like, you know, we talked to one person who was talking about their whoop in particular. It was like, I told me I was ready to go. I was going to go kill this fried today. But she was like, actually, I just, I'm super sore. I'm not going to do that today. <laughs> Yeah, you know, so she's it's like it's it just gets thrown off the scent sometimes. So um but the uh the readiness survey, yeah, and so we what we decided to do was it would be really nice to give people more more feedback, more insight into how how they're doing. And so, you know, one thing we always say about that survey too is that like, yeah, it's good to check in with yourself daily. Um, but we don't wanna freak you out about, oh, I'm not feeling good today, so I'm not gonna train or something. That's not yeah. how it works, right? You have plenty of people and we talked about anybody who's played sports you know, you have an event, like, do you sleep all the night before? Does anybody, like, if you're actually care about your event, like, I don't think I've talked to anybody who's like, yeah, it's my best night to sleep ever. Right. But it's more about like the patterns and habits and things that get you into trouble or like set you up for success. So. Well, I, I remember when they, when you guys originally, we launched the surveys, uh, people had the idea that somehow 
the survey was going to adjust their training day. Yeah. And that was like a huge piece for me. I'm like, this isn't adjusting your training day. We're just trying to basically track how you feel and where your PRs are set and like what's the ebb and flow of you. Like you're still going to do the same training program. It's not as if you're going to, you know, hey, I feel like shit. You're going to get 10 reps instead of 15 reps. Mm, no. But I think what we're looking for is like trends over time. Like, hey, on this day, I, you know, and, you know, just trying to understand who you are. But that was like a big piece of like, so wait a minute, is this going to give me my own custom training? And I'm like, no. Well, but that's, you know, that's the way that some other platforms have tried to do it, right? They And, you know, one thing that people think about, it's like, it would be great if this thing could tell me what to do today because there's some optimal thing it can know. The other fact, though, is that if it's, it can be a, a, no, a nocebo, right? So if, if you use a system and it tells you that you slept poorly, like if you just have a device that says, oh, you didn't sleep well, even if you slept fine, you're likely to perform worse. Like yeah. you're likely to start behaving as if you slept poorly. And so it's, you know, it's, it's a mixed bag and how valuable it is. And so we on purpose right now, you take the survey and you get a little score back and like, you're already aware of whether you feel how you're feeling today. Like, Oh, I don't feel well. You probably already know that that's not a problem. We delay giving you any feedback or more insights until after you've trained, because that's the best time to consume this anyway. So it's like, okay, how did my training go today compared to my readiness? You know, and you can dig in a little more because you're not, again, like another thing is when you go and take that survey, most people, you walk in the gym or something, if you're going to a commercial gym and you're like, you're looking for the squat rack that's open or something. Like you don't want to sit there and think about a bunch of like data. Yeah. And so, you know, it's the right time to give that's at the end, you know? So we, we intentionally did that so that you could actually still focus on executing as well as you can on a given day. You know, we're not trying to throw you off that day. The idea is that, you know, at the end you get this feedback and it's doing just that same thing. Like it's not even telling you today's score is good or bad, Like you probably know that because like, it's subjective. You already know how it feels, right? It's not some mystery. Um, it's this basically making you more aware of the patterns of the, how those things have been trending relative to your norm. So. For example, like for Ben, like, you know, when he's feeling well, he's up in the low fours on his readiness, right? I'm a high threes guy. So we, it wouldn't make sense to have like, oh, a three is good or a four is good. It's all based on your normal patterns. And then you, the idea is that we identify when those things start to like veer away from how like you normally log things. Something's changed, yes. right? And, and we can't really know what, but it's it's the awareness that like, hey, something's actually substantially different here. And we, we try to call it out. It's like, hey, this is actually a big change. Hey, this is a small change. Like maybe, maybe think about it, but. You know, so we try to give some insight into how, like, how significant—not statistically, but significant—how important these changes are. Yeah. It does use statistics in the background, but we're not showing you a bunch of like wonky stuff. You know? it, it's why I got rid of, like, I stopped wearing the Whoop. One, uh, their calorie daily calorie burn was way fucking off. Said so I was burning like seven to nine thousand calories, mm -hmm. and I was eating like thirty-two hundred, and I was doing a match. So I'm like, I should lose fifty pounds by the end yeah. of this month, <laughs> and it was like didn't happen. So I was like, all right, so that's a problem. The other problem too is I was wearing when I slept and then like you're getting up and you're like, I don't need this fucking negativity in my life. You yeah. tell me I slept poorly, like fuck you. <laughs> and uh, like it's it's just, I think sometimes too much information creates paralysis sure. yeah. where like now you look and you're like, oh fuck. Like I, uh, as a NFL player, I would never have been, I would have never gone near any of that shit. Because mm -hmm. I mean like, you know, if all of a sudden I look at this thing and I've been like, well, it's saying I'm not good today. Today's my game day. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, does that become like some mental crutch? Sure. Like, I, don't, I just don't want that negativity in my life. Well, also just radical swings, right? Like that's people's orientation a lot to life events is just, oh, this is happening. Therefore, I need to do this like aggressive action. And I think taking a more balanced approach is, is what the readiness monitoring supports here is. One, this is your data. It's your perception of reality, right? And that's ultimately it would inform your your own life experience it's like well, what if your perception of reality is different than anybody else's because yours is way fucking out there that is the whole point yeah. right so like it's a, 
I'll tell you, there, there have been some interesting things that have happened with my data since I've had it be available to me. And, um, you know, leading up to this, I was going through like a really stressful life, you know, set of just life circumstances. We were like remodeling a house, had a new kid. We had all this stuff going on. The business is going crazy. We have COVID happening. We're trying to open up a new office. It was just like everything all at once. And in my data, it was just my readiness is like tanking. My sleep's getting worse. My stress is getting higher. My mood is off. And so the way I'm starting to show up is worse. I'm starting to then miss training sessions. And then it's becoming this vicious cycle of I don't like for me, I got to burn all the energy out of my my system. Otherwise, I don't sleep. So if I don't train, then I don't sleep well. Then it becomes this loop that I just like can't get out of. I become on edge. I'm worse at work. I'm worse at home. And so the idea of being ready is kind of the core of train heroic again, right? Like training versus working out. It's like it's getting ready versus getting sweaty. Like sure. can you go attack whatever life's obstacles are for you? Uh, if you're in law enforcement, if you're if you're in the tactical community, if you're a professional athlete, or if you're just a a dad athlete, right? Did um, you just come up with that? What? what? Dad, dad getting athlete? ready or getting sweaty? I, I think I did. Write that down. It rhymes. Write that down. Yeah. It must be true. Well, I mean, we, we used to say like uh, training, if you're training for something that implies that you have a goal and an outcome, mm-hmm. if you're just looking to exercise, then all you're doing is looking to get sweaty, which is fine too. You Go know? over there. Yeah. It's fine. And there's nothing wrong no. with that, right? That's I mean, just which for was the, kind of the in the problem. moment thrill. Which was mm-hmm. kind of the, you know, really the the sweet spot of CrossFit where, like, people weren't necessarily training for anything. They just wanted to come in and get sweaty with a couple people and, you know. Take their shirts off. Get shirts off and fucking just bro down. Just bro out. Yeah. Like Dawson, like watching a good show in Dawson's Creek. <laughs> yeah. It's Luke Summer's favorite show. Amongst other things. <laughs> yes. Amongst other things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, just looking at that data. Right. It brings you back to have an awareness, right? Like kind of this subtle awareness that you can say, okay, I see this thing going off the rails. And in particular for people, a lot of our people are, they come from an athletics background, even if they are just kind of like an everyday athlete today, they, they still hold that mindset. And so they're hard charging, right? They're working hard at home. They're working hard at work. Um, and they're just burning at both ends. And so just bringing that awareness to me of like, Hey, this thing's slipping down here. Hey, you're starting to go into the danger zone was like, okay, I got to start taking this maybe a little bit more seriously. It's not like I didn't know what to do. I live in this world, right? I know all the behaviors I should be doing. I've just started to neglect them at the expense of all the stuff that all my responsibilities, all the things I do. So having that data then gives me a barometer that I can start to say, okay, let me gently guide this in the right direction. Can I stack up one good day after the next day? And since we've had it, I've actually like, you'll see my data is much, much better. And you also start to learn really funny things about yourself. Right. Like on the plane, I was showing Adam, my sleep's actually been really bad recently. My kids waking up all the time. Like my wife's jumping in and out of the bed. I'm going over to support him. Like, dude, it's no bueno. I, you don't need to tell me about this. But there's like, a crazy thing happening in my data. My mood is going up. My sleep is going down. I'm like, what's going on there? And if you can look into the notes, it's like, well, we're launching this new product. We got a bunch of exciting things happening in the company. We've got great people coming on. Like my stoke is high but my sleep is terrible. And you're starting to learn these stories about how these things are related to one another and how they are personalized to you. Cause it doesn't necessarily mean anything, mm-hmm. but it forces this reflection where you're like, okay, now I have more awareness of myself than I had previously. Mm-hmm. And it's this idea of, you know, like in, in our industry, there's so much just like cliche turn around, trust the process, manage the process. Well, this gives you actually a practical tool to do that. You can understand how the process fits into your life, what that looks like in a unique way relative to yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you can start to gradually tune the engine. 
so that everything starts to come together and helps you be kind of that best version of yourself. That's the idea of it. Yeah, and that data, you know, been, he's talking about how the data reflects his lifestyle, yep. right? And the, the reason we chose the scores we did is based on research, like there's actually something called the Hooper Index that's been around mm -hmm. for a long time. You know, it, it actually contains, I think, four of those five pieces that we use. And we added, I think, the mood piece because mood disruptions were common in athletes who overstressed. That's just like a common common thing that's known. So the, the thing about that is like, yeah, if you are experiencing a life stress, it reflects that and it reflects your behaviors. If you're not sleeping, getting to bed on time, like you're just not going to sleep enough, right? And so it gives you kind of a direct window into how that's going. On the other side, right, if you have a, a high training load, right, let's say you're going through a really hard cycle of training, or if you're going through a hard cycle of training and you're not, you know, your recovery and your lifestyle doesn't support it, right? You're going to see those scores decay. And you do have to do a little bit of, there is, the awareness helps you figure out the right action to take then, right? And like people following a smart program, like, you know, like the loads on most of your guys' stuff, and I've never, it's not crazy, you know, it's hard sometimes. But like, I've certainly gotten situations in the past, you know, again, like it's also hard writing your own stuff. You write too much for yourself often, right? Number one rule. Don't be your own coach. Don't write your own program. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, the other the other thing we tell people is uh, we test. So like, you know, like everything that people see, uh, we've already actually gone through the training cycle right. and fixed all the mistakes. Because right. like, you know, yeah. like, like we have a theory, we have an idea, we write it out, and we do it. And then like, I mean, there's been a million times where I've done shit and been like, this is way too much. Yeah. Like I can't fucking program this and this is a terrible idea. And I think what happens with a lot of this stuff, and I think why... I think at least we've been pretty successful is uh, we've actually tested it. Whereas I think sometimes people are just writing this shit like mm -hmm. ad hoc and being like, well, I would never do it. Let me write it for these fucking people. Yeah. And, uh, or yeah, this was hard on me. They're going to love it. Yeah. yeah. Or, or <laughs> no like adjustment. Yeah. No adjustment. <laughs> right. I mean, like, uh, like the amount of shit that we did where I was like, yeah, no, this was a terrible fucking idea. Like we found uh heavy deadlifts. Well, you're going to love this one. So we figured out heavy deadlifts and mm -hmm. so, Heavy extension inflection with dynamic extension inflection with like toes to bar will mm. absolutely fucking annihilate people's SI joints and lay people mm. up for weeks. And so we did all this like it was like four or five deadlifts and like toes to bar. Fuck, nobody could walk in. And I'm like, man, we're not programming that yeah. shit. That's got to go out. Yeah. yeah. Whereas other people are like, sounds like a great workout. And I'm like, have you ever fucking done uh, it? Yeah. No, no, no. I would never do this shit. Yeah. yeah. Well, think, I mean, every good chef tastes their food. Can you yeah, imagine right. writing a recipe that you haven't had yourself mm -hmm. and handing it to somebody and be like, this is a good meal tonight? You're like, how do you know? But that's what happens in the S&C community. A lot of times, like, these individuals are writing these programs, like, from an ivory tower and be like, oh, it seems like it's good yeah. for my athletes. And I'm like, well, fuck, man, if you're not actually testing and tasting your own cooking, yeah. then how do you know if it's fucking dog shit or not? Or getting feedback yep. from the athlete. Uh, yep. Ran into this in real life coaching with the lacrosse team we were talking about earlier. Uh, I take the warm ups, lead them through there, and then I used to warm up the goalies. Now another coach did, and we got a goalie problem because the Why? they get hit. So, uh, it's in, kids first time playing the sport. Goalies freaking. It's the opposite of baseball where you get out of the way of mm -hmm. 90, 90 miles an hour. You get in the way, and you're not wearing. Do they a have lot a bunch of, of padding? Uh, chest protector and a cup, and oh. then a throat guard. Mm. so no not like a baseball catcher mm. and it freaking hurts it's you just got to build a an immunity to the pain and accept it like a hard candy shell exactly <laughs> so then the like an m&m 
melts in the middle. <laughs> coaches that like take their the practices their moment to shine. I'm gonna rip on these kids that are trying to teach them goalie, yep. and then like freaking we lost two this season that refused to play it anymore, and then it just went back to okay, who's warming them up? Why are they quitting? And the coach is like, yeah, well, I didn't shoot that hard, <laughs> but it's hard to him yeah, who yeah. is a college player. And then he's a freaking grown ass man, but yep. this is a 13 year old kid. Yep. And it's like, well, okay. That's like coach handing off their program. Well, it wasn't hard for me yep. and not getting feedback from the athlete to then make any adjustments and then empower their performance. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I was thinking about, you know, with the readiness is like, you know, following, even following good programs. Like I think about grindstone, for example, where there is a lot, you have to, you're, you're required, you're recommended, your optionals, right? So one thing you know, meant for people who are busy might be meant for people who are like Ben, who have a lot of their stuff going on. And some weeks they can make more than others. Some weeks their life's different from, than other weeks. If you're aware of yourself, you know, it might be a good reason to either say like, oh yeah, today's a good, today's a good, this is a good week for me to pick up all the sessions. Or this is actually a good week for me to leave out the last session. Like I can actually just have a rest day. That would actually be fine if I didn't meet one of the like optional days, right? That's one, that's one dimension you could use on something like that. It's like to give yourself a little bit of flexibility. The exact word we heard from people was permission. Like that when they are honestly just feeling a little beat down by whatever. Sure. That like this 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 feedback, this data come back to them. So it's like, you know, I can see also that like I've been saying, I've been feeling worse than usual for like a week now. It's like it gives them permission to adjust things a little bit. And even within the context of following like a more, you know, uh, not strict, but like you have like Jack Street has set days kind of. Sure. They will make different choices about the loads they choose, for example. If they, for example, like if, and it's a smart thing to do if that on a given day, it's like, I actually just don't have it today. Maybe I don't, shouldn't expect myself to do this. Right? Well, it's called inherent, uh, what I call inherent periodization or what mm-hmm. Chris Morris ended up calling fluid periodization. And that was why I based everything off of rep maxes mm-hmm. was this idea of like, I just need you to lift the five heaviest, you know, reps you can on that given day. Yep. I don't need you to PR lift. And if you're not feeling it, whatever, like. You know, the problem is, is a lot of times people are like, I need you to set a PR, or, you know, this. And it's like, uh, like, I just need you to lift the five heaviest reps. And I think what happened, or at least where this came from for me was uh, at the beginning of the season and the NFL, like I always felt coming out of training camp uh, into those, like after those first preseason games was the strongest I was. Mm-hmm. Like I get hit some fucking crazy lifts. And so like my, my deal was like max reps of 405 on the bench. So I get like 405 for like 10 to 12 reps. Mm-hmm. And then over the course of the season, every Friday I would bench heavy and put on at least 405 and get as many reps as I could. And I'd see this cascading effect of like 10 to 12. Then it would go to like 10 and then 9. And then I would hit like – and I'd get to the end of the season at the end of like week 16, 17, and I'd just hit singles. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, you know, people would ask, and i like, well, for some reason, like that's the number. And I can see it, but, you know, you make this kind of adjustment. And as long as I can still hit 405, I know I'm still kind of lighting it up. And, uh, you know, while I might not hit a rep max like I can in the beginning, I'm still handling the same uh, poundage. Yeah. And so that idea of inherent periodization based off other things, as long as I'm able, this is the heaviest I'm able to go, I can still drive adaptation. Yeah, right. And I think people forget. Uh, and, you know, that's what we use in CrossFit football. Chris Morris does that whole fluid periodization uh-huh. talk at the symposium. And it was based off of that original work. And fuck, man, it was awesome to see. And another thing this is great for, and John made me think of it here, like we're sports have seasons where we have an off season that is dedicated to freaking get as strong as fuck. Yep. And then in season he's aiming to maintain and still be able to beat wholesale ass. A lot of our population are just people. Yep. And they 
are you they're not used to deload load weeks they're not used mm-hmm. to taking time away and what i loved about the old cross football was pro programming hammer all the time and where life program deloads yeah. Yeah. was a big yeah. theme now we have the opportunity yeah. to really show people the value of taking yep. yeah deloads or adjusting through grindstone and then one final note, the how field strong is programmed is essentially is in that seasonal model of sport. Mm-hmm. So we do work it in there, but at the same time, like feed the wolf a little bit with some fun well, stuff. Well, uh, yeah, they, they get uh, the uh, PMAC coming up, which, well, which, yes. which, which always is one the of my favorites. End of November. Yeah. I was glad yeah. we didn't do that this morning, by the way. With the, oh, fuck, I love it. Like, like I, I think that there's I was always, like, y'all have a shower? And Texas was like, no. I was like, what are we doing today? Uh, well, we do have a shower. The problem is, is that the freeze, we, we got a shower. Yeah, the uh, fucking the tank of water heater exploded when we had the freeze. So I got the, I got my buddy here to help fix it. So tomorrow we'll have a shower. Tomorrow we'll have a shower. Well, that idea, too, of I think the pro solution for that committed athlete. And, again, it's not like you don't need to be hardcore. It's like are you committed to being your best? That's what we mean by committed athlete. And the idea of stack up as a, or a pro as a solution in general is these two feature sets balance one another. Stack up gives you that candy, that carrot to kind of pull you forward, make you go maybe a little harder, have a little more fun with the training. And then the readiness allows you to get the insights to balance it out. And really smart training is the path to actually achieving your full potential. It's not go hard every day, full send all the Mm -hmm. time, but it's like when you want to send it, you need, you need the information necessary to go for it. Mm -hmm. Right. And when you don't, it's like, it can still be there. You don't have to touch the candy. You can resist it. That's Mm -hmm. okay. Right. Be an adult make a good decision and have both all the available information to do so. And yeah. so I think that's what we're trying to do is really y'all talk about empower your performance. You can't do that unless you give people the ability to do that. Right. Mm-hmm. And that's giving them the information, arming them with the knowledge so that they can make smart decisions about how they should move in their life. They don't have to be coddled. They don't have to be like, Oh, you can't know this about yourself because otherwise you're going to make a weird decision. It's like, why not? Right. We're not telling you, Again, the way readiness comes in is very intentional. It's not like we show you a blinking big score that says, you're not ready today. Don't do anything. We're like, hey, this thing lives over here. You can go check it out when you feel like it. And we're not going to shout out and give you very explicit recommendations. We're going to say, hey, why don't you think about this? Right? You'll see some of the, the statements that come in and will say, hey, your readiness is trending significantly lower uh, than usual. What do you think you could do to improve that? You're an adult, right? And now it's like, okay, now you have to go inward you have to think about all of your life decisions, all the things you're doing, and you can go, oh, I could just tweak this one thing. Yeah. We're not going to go slay. You need to sleep nine hours or else everything's going to fall apart. We don't know that about you. You know mm-hmm. you. And there's feedback on all the subscores. Like we, we try to tell you which ones. If your scores, your overall that index is down a lot, you know, we try to say, hey, it's actually your sleep and your stress are both worse than usual. So it can at least help you focus on the thing. It's like, hey, where, where can, where's the high leverage? Yep. Where's that point? So yep. it's not like a total mystery. You know, we, we point you in the right direction, but it's, it's definitely like the role of the autonomous individual to go fix that for themselves. Mm-hmm. We're big on self-reliance. My kid's middle name is Emerson. You're going to have to explain that. That's a book by Emerson. That's, that's a book by Emerson. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Ralph. Don't to know. You don't need to know anymore. Ralph. Endo. I was going to say Endo, but. We're, well, you guys are in endo. Colorado, isn't yeah, that like endo? Like, a of, uh, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of endo. Isn't yeah. there like endoing over your bike like, or doing an endo? And there's Lando. also smoking endo. I think, yeah. Mm, that's something else. Yeah. But the stack up thing, you know, one thing, there was a, 
a reply I got, you know, people will send me mobile, mobile feedback. And right now I'll reach out to those people when they send us stuff about Pro because I want to know what they're thinking and you yeah. know what could work. And one, one thing somebody said, I think it's actually on one of the feeds, um, was like, you know, for some of us guys, you know, we only PR like one to four times a year. And I'm thinking about that. I'm like, that's a really narrow, narrow definition of a PR. Like really, like, is he, are you thinking about like a one rep max on a, on your main list? So stack up is about like making, evidencing the fact that like, are you setting a rep max on even like accessory work? Like that counts, are you, you know? So every time you cycle in new movements, you probably should be improving on something, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah, you want to, you know, you want your main list to be getting better. And at some point, if you're really highly trained, like it may not happen and one rep max may not happen that often. It may not, it may not even be what you're training for anymore, but like, yeah, you, you can improve your eight rep max Bulgarian split squat. That still counts. You still got good at a thing that presumably matters because you were doing it. Yeah. Like, you know, it's in the program for a reason. So, sure. you know, try hard and get better. That's what that's about. What are your competitors doing in the readiness space? Uh, what's something that's interesting is like, actually we're, I really, you know, like you pointed out, you know, that the, the subjective scores versus objective, right? So the readiness survey, there aren't, there's not anybody else really relying on that the way we're doing. So it's not that some of those objective things don't have value, right? Honestly, this is about behavior change. And if you believe in it and it gets you to behave better and to be your best, like, so you can set yourself to perform your best and like, that's, that's valuable. Um, we think that like this, you know, the readiness thing is the way we do it is both, you know, it's valid, uh, and it provides like a little more kind of like direct insight, actionable, you know, um, so that's, yeah, in a nutshell, like in the training space, like in terms of like where you get content and log your training, there's not a lot of it. Mm-hmm. They're usually like standalone products, you know, yep. that you can go download an app or buy a, buy some device. Um, so we're actually, yeah, I, don't, I mean, we're doing something kind of new in that space in a sense. So what was the motivator if no one else is doing it? What sparked the need for this? Uh, it's the belief that it was valuable and talking to athletes about, we, uh, well, so let's go take it back. Let's take a step back. Cause that writing survey has been around for four years now. Right. And we put that out there originally to just facilitate communication between athletes and coaches. Mm-hmm. So, you know, power athlete is, is one type of, you know, organization that uses train road. Right. We have other like smaller ones where like, you know, they're, they're looking specifically at everyone's like readiness sometimes or something like, you know, there's a little bit different, you know, personal coaching and stuff, or maybe you guys use it in personal coaching. I don't know. But, um, so some of those people, you know, was, and then we worked with the tactical and military and they were way into the readiness stuff. And so we, we built the survey and we just left it out there for a while because it was serving that purpose. And the more it got going, we got more feedback that people wanted to know more about it, that they found it just the intrinsic act of taking the survey valuable. And then we just did more research. And some of this was talking to, you know, some of your customers and some other people about how they felt about it and what would make it, you know, even more valuable to them. And so, you know, that stacked on top of our own experience um, and knowledge about this stuff, you know, in terms of the readiness space, like, you know, there's, it's that topic right now is actually pretty hot, right. And self-care in particular, you know, over the last couple of years being on lockdown and COVID, right. Mental health and self-care have become big. And so it kind of all just all that together is kind of coalesces like, we can give people tools to take better care of themselves and be more self-aware of their wellness. Mm-hmm. Right. So we call it a readiness survey, but I mean, it is a wellness survey. Like those are all dimensions of wellness, not all the possible ones, obviously, but there are some, some ones that you can you know assess and kind of a snap pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And they're both, you know, the thing about those that, you know, that they, they're valuable is like in the sports, like they're both like reflective of behaviors and they're reflective of 
if you have a lot of training stress, they reflect the training stress. So it's actually a little bit of a like input output thing there. They can reflect both of those things. So it's, I mean, it's, it's, you know, so, I mean, I don't want to get too, like too into the weeds on this stuff, but we, that's all we do here. Go into the, so, I mean, you're talking about measures of internal load is what we're talking about, right? In the, in the, the, the nerd speak, which is say, uh, external load would be volume pounds in the bar, like the the objective measure of what the thing did miles run. Sure. So internal measures are things like heart rate. Heart rate is a response to exercise. It's a measure of how your body's responding to exercise. HRV is one. And these subjective measures of like sleep, mood, energy, stress, and soreness is what we use are measures of internal load. So responses to the stress is placed on you. And the word stress is important there because it's actually like an integrated, an integrative sense of all the stress that you're facing and how you're dealing with it. And so in like Ben's case, he's an example of having like a bunch of lifestyle stress. Like, yeah, that's going to be reflected there because it's stress, right? I mean, it just goes, all goes in the in, you know, in the broadest sense in the same bucket and it pulls from recovery capabilities, right? So you can only recover so much, some people more than others, right? They certainly like you guys have seen people who can tolerate more or less load in your, in your coaching careers, right? Like, uh, it, it just, there are some people who can do a ton and the people who, you know, have, they, they do better on a little less, you know? Yep. Um, so in the case of like having the predominant, like lifestyle stress, like then it's definitely like, Hey, I got to manage that. You know, and, and for a lot of people, we're talking about like uh, train heroic athletes. They do, they're, you know, they're adults living you know, out in the real world, right? And they have jobs and families and life stress. And those are things that they like, they're active things you can do instead of just letting things happen to you. So, for example, like, I don't know how, I, I'll just speak for myself. I don't know how many times it took me to say, I should start meditating, right? To help me with focus and stress management before I actually did it, right? And part of the, the stimulus was like, I, I can't deny that when I look at my readiness scores, like I'm saying I'm in stress and I'm not sleeping. Like there's nothing, you know, it's my own words. It's like a little journal that comes back to me, right? Just coming back in the form of like dots and lines on a graph. That's what it is. And then, you know, so finally pick that up, you know, and my sleep starts, you know, going out of control. I'm like, guess what? I know a lot about sleep hygiene. I'm like the first piece person to preach it, but do I practice it all the time? No. And then my sleep goes crazy. I'm like, well, I better like actually do that, right? And that's, so that's, you know, there, that's a little bit going down into the, the nuts and bolts of how that works. It can be both behavioral, you know, like direct, like your sleep is bad. Therefore you need to fake focus on sleep. On the other hand, yeah, sleep disruptions are common if you're overstressed. So that doesn't mean you ignore it. It means you go and try to maybe mm-hmm. steer it back in that direction. And if you look at these studies, like John was referencing, like if you take somebody through a really hard six week block of training, like that's progressing in volume, you know, and pushing really hard. These things are going to, de- they, they will decay at some point, like at some point, and then you deload and they rebound, right? So it's with smart training, you do push it. Like you, you, you overreach a bit. Like you're, you're, you're actually stressing yourself on purpose at some point to a point where like you, you couldn't keep that up forever and your body's recovery is just kind of being, you know, challenged there. And I haven't had a chance to do it yet, but you were referencing the deload weeks you program into. I think I was looking at Hammer at one point. I think all, yeah, I think all uh, yeah, every everything but Johnny Wad and Grindstone get yeah. right. weeks yeah. and the and <laughs> for different reasons. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, I just laugh. well, you know that uh, the Johnny Wad whole name whole deal came about with a phone call from Ben Crookston. So hard hot. Let's sweaty. get into the weeds on Johnny Wad. Uh, so I was actually coming back from 
South County taking my daughters to gymnastics and I dropped them off and I was driving back home and, uh, you know, go do something. And I was going to go back and get them. And Ben called me as I was driving through the toll road. And I remember we were discussing it, like, what are we going to do with this cross of football thing and spinning it out. And somehow the Johnny Wad came out of that conversation. And uh, it's been fire ever Say since. Say more details. Double click on that, John. Uh, yeah, dude. It was hilarious. But, like, you know, part of that uh, heady, hard, fast. I mean, there was some tongue-in-cheek associated with it. And just, just the branding was pretty funny. Fun. And then I sent that dude off some pictures, and he turned me into a cartoon. And there was a whole, like, Boogie Nights thing working. And, uh, dude, it's hilarious. And what's funny is I still get people like, hey, I'm looking for cross of football. I'm like, slide over to Johnny Wide. <laughs> Uh, and uh, it's it's funny. It's uh, what do they call that? A double entendre? Yes. Yeah. Innuendo. Yeah. Lots of it. I mean, very popular people are still burning it down. Oh yeah. I mean, it's uh, if you want to wad your face off, dude, <laughs> it will fucking give you more than a mouthful. Yeah. See all the uh, all the innuendos. Yeah, I'm just thinking the. I want to follow. Here's what I want to deep dive on the data. All of Johnny Wad's readiness scores. Oh, those are pretty good. <laughs> those fucking guys. We can go check that out. I actually want to check it out. Yeah. Yeah. They're probably ignore. They're probably being honest on the survey, skip, and skip, they're ignoring yeah. all of yeah. the pro stuff. Like, so nah, we we okay. had a uh, uh, like I had one lady who started Johnny Wad and then quit because there were too many sexual innuendos and mm. she felt uh, triggered by them. Oh, that girl. <laughs> Woman. Yeah, we got in trouble with that one where we had like the uh, on the website uh, there was like we found this like chick like this hot chick and it was like we wrote like a um, obviously a fake review and then like her name was that girl and it was like this hot chick sucking a um, her a, name was no one. we just were like oh. it was like you know Johnny Watt is the best it's got me sweaty whatever yeah. and it was like you know slash that girl yeah. and then it was like a hot chick and so we go do this gig for the military. And, like, all of a sudden, like, you know, as, like, we get there and we're, like, getting ready to start, like, their compliance officer comes down and they had been going through Power Athlete, clicked to Johnny Watt and saw that. And that was, like, a huge red flag. And the compliance officer, who was a Power Athlete CrossFit football kind of follower, like, had to basically die on the sword for compliance and being, like, I've known these guys for 10 years. Like, this is, you know, and, like, he, like, comes in and he's, like, hey, can you guys change that shit real quick? So then, like, we had to put up, like, Franco and Arnold and those guys <laughs> as, like, those dudes or that those dude. Ah, oh, dude, it was so funny. And they were, like, I mean, it was serious. Like, we either had to deal with this. Or we were going to get booted out of like off this military base for something that was on a fucking secondary website. That's funny. Well, yeah. what's the number one reason people quit training? This is a funny thing. Uh, the number, number one, one reason, reason is uh, spelling errors. Spelling errors. <laughs> That's number two. That's number two. That's number two. Uh, but lifestyle factors, right? External stress unrelated to training. We look at all the data and that's what we see. And so it's like we have a survey. We had a survey on that. Exactly. We have a lot of data on that. And so when we can see that that's happening, and we, you know, pulling it back to kind of like our vision, helping people find joy in the journey of training. Part of that is just staying on the journey. In fact, that's most of it. Is can you remain committed to this thing despite all these obstacles that come in your way? Whether that's stress in the training, stress out of the training, injury, lack of motivation, etc. And so in many ways, all of these pro solutions that we're putting out are just tools in your toolkit to help you get over those obstacles. And the readiness piece is like, hey, if your number one reason for quitting training is simply that you cannot manage your stress outside of training, we should definitely give you tools so that you can actually go through that process. 
when you know Adam was talking about kind of the differences in our solution versus others, it's like ours is all about putting it in the user's hands, letting it be personalized to them, and also the idea that this should be accessible to all. Not everybody has a really expensive six hundred dollar watch that we're wearing around that tells them exactly how they should feel every day. They can't afford that, right? This is like a very cheap, accessible thing that lives on a phone, and anybody can do it. And it forces first a good behavior, which is reflection. Like you go through this readiness reflection every day. It asks you questions. And like, I mean, literally, I'm I'm not always the most reflective person or I don't have that space in my day all, all the time. But I take that thing and I'm like, oh, how am I feeling? Oh, how much energy do I have? What's my body feeling like? And I just run through this quick check through. I'm like, okay, cool. Like I did that. And then I trust the information more because I've had, you know, sleep devices. I've worn all these different things. And sometimes they tell me things about myself where I'm like, that doesn't feel like I feel. And as you said with your whoop, like sometimes it actually like kind of angers you because you're like, dude, don't tell me how I feel. I know my brother, you know, my brother works a high stress job. He runs a trading desk and he's got kids and he's got all sorts of different life stresses. And he was like, dude, I had to take it off because every day it just told me how bad I am. Yeah. And he's like, I didn't need to hear that because I need to still go perform my duties. I need to still go about my life. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't actually helping me do it in a better way because I was already controlling the things I could control and still it was bad. Sure. And so in this way, I think the difference is accessibility to all, right? We're including people. It's affordable. It's available on any device, anywhere. You don't have to do anything crazy about it. And then it's owned by you. Right. It's your data. It's the way you perceive these things. It's not some objective system telling you something about yourself, which is not necessarily always going to be accurate. I mean, just, I mean, simply, how often does somebody ask you, hey, Ben, how are you feeling? Is that a personal question? Yeah. Uh, not that often. Yeah. Especially when you're the boss. Nobody asks you how you're feeling. Well, and also when you're a dad. That's yeah. another one. Like, I think, like, as a dad, uh, like, you always, like, I ask my kids, I'm like, so how'd you sleep? Yeah. How are you feeling? How was school today? Like, I'm always asking them things about their day. It's never like, you know, dad, how are you feeling? Yeah. You know, like, it's, uh, like, it just, I, I think uh, it goes back to Chris Rock where it's like, nobody cares about men unless you can provide something. And uh, it's just kind of a weird thing. So I think to actually have something and, uh, you know, not to say it's all fathers and, and, and dads in this situation, but it's just not something that like my wife, I guess my wife's like, oh, so how's it? She always asks me, how's everything going or how was the meeting or like, yeah. how did this go? Not like my wife's never been like, how are you feeling? Yeah. How, are, <laughs> how are you managing this information? You know, and it's just because uh, I like it's the, uh, you know, Bob Wellborn, like just keep soldiering on, put your shoulder to the to the door and don't let the wind in kind of mentality, which I think is is what's inherent for men. Well, it's everybody too, though. Like for women as well, in our research, women are talking about, hey, you know, my hormones are different during different times of the month or depending on what I'm going through. Like my wife just went through pregnancy, breastfeeding, et cetera. Hormones are just. And I'm like, I need to to look at your readiness data because you are all over the place. And like, how do we actually help manage your process? And so the idea that it's personalized and allows you to take that kind of like internal measurement and internal check that, those things are not necessarily going to show up on a device. Well, and no. uh, and especially like the the one I didn't realize the level of savage that moms are like so savage. Uh, like having these kids, like uh, breastfeeding, like my like uh, I remember at like one point my wife was carrying these kids around and like her arms were so fucking shredded and I'm like yeah. I'm like mom arms I'm like yeah. these fucking women are like and like they just they uh, and especially when that like mom gene kicks in. Like, they just are, like, full steam ahead, and I'm going to fucking slay the world. Oh, yeah. so. well, I mean, I just thought of something, too. We were talking about some social dynamics stuff last night at dinner. And uh, I, he's like, what's the default greeting? How are you? 
Yeah. What's the default answer? I'm fine. Yeah. Like, and you're you know, never, you're never that you're either awesome or you're, <laughs> you're like, uh, if I told you the whole answer, you'd be here for 30 minutes. Yeah. Well, uh, it's not a real question. So, so the, my, the thing, which is funny is I ask my kids every day, I'm like, how was school? And their response is always good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I actually say good before they do. I'm like, how was school? Was it good? And they're, and like to the point where I smart ass them because that's all they ever say. I'm like, yeah. you have to tell me something other than good. Good is like this really broad spectrum. Right. Like, like, what did you do? Who did you interact with? Like, what did you learn? Tell me about this. And then I realized it was on me asking somebody, how did today go? Or how was school? It's is not so a big. Question. It's not, no. it's, a, it's a terrible question. We, we and had, therefore it necessitates shitty answers. So for me, I'm like, how was Spanish? Did you interact? Who did you meet? Like, and so I realized that the questions had to be way more specific if I wanted some form of specific, like good answer. We had Tom Newman on formerly of Yale university lacrosse football, national champ, Ivy league champ. And part of that was he would expand their vocabulary. So rather than just a, a readiness survey, it was this app um, with different colors associated. So rather than good, if it was good, okay, here's green and this different scale of green. Mm-hmm. Imagine like, I forget what those are, uh, scales are called, but imagine like X and Y axes mm-hmm. and then cross points. But then Venn diagram, no nah, Venn diagram circles, uh, uh, pie graph. No, pie is also a circle. Oh, you eat um, it. Bar, bar graph? <laughs> no, bars are bars. But then, anyway. Cupcake graph? Do they look like cupcakes? Was to expand their vocabulary. <laughs> Even the kids at Yale needed mm-hmm. help and yeah. assistance yeah. describing their feelings. And then he could chart that, include that in his readiness. We were so impactful with this. One of our interns named Cole was awful at using vocabulary to describe anything. So then we used Maybe this app. Maybe he had opportunity for improvement. Oh, yeah. We used that app to help him expand his vocabulary and actually aim to communicate better with us. Well, the thing I worry about, especially with Cole, was uh, I don't think he did a good job of communicating like uh, what, you know, like uh, anything. He just was like, <laughs> mm, okay. And uh, the problem with that is when people are like that, they're the people that show up with an AK-47 or an axe and take you down. So, like, I think, like, a lot of times if, like, there's a problem, like, let's deal with this early. I don't want it to get to the point where, like, you show up and you want to fucking burn this place to the ground. Yeah. Which is, well, the nice thing about the readiness survey is it's between you and yourself and, and your coach. And so it's safe and, space. And train her own. You can say whatever you want. And Adam, who's and sitting Adam, there just looking at all this. I can look at everything. Dude, yeah. do, do, uh, do you remember, God, what was the, uh, uh, the Joker uh, movie with um, Jim Carrey? Uh, for Batman, Batman Returns. Do you, yeah, do you remember when he like sits in that thing and it like what goes off and his brand, his no. head goes. Whoa. Batman Forever. Batman Forever. Yeah, and and Batman all that information. Forever. I feel like that's you sitting there, <laughs> plugged in. You're gonna end up like the taking in all the info in his jaw. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think Billy Corgan played like uh, the theme song for that one. Well, Smashing mm-hmm. Pumpkins. Probably. You know what about your favorite band, Train? So 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 how does Train work in the band Train and like. What what is it the uh, well we would have been workout heroic let's just what what's the name of uh, uh, drops of Jupiter yeah well and then like hey soul sister heroic is, it's not catchy is Meet it Virginia heroic well we we were gonna call it workout heroic and then we were like we we just Josh and I just loved train and we still day, love train you know we were fe- it was hard times and back trains because you're in Chicago <laughs> and the L is awesome yeah. yeah and Thomas the train. Thomas the Tank Engine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so all of these things Hello, have been Thomas. inspirational throughout my life. So the band train, Thomas the Train. But specifically the band train. 
And so when, we, when, when Josh and I, you know, it was hard times, Josh was sleeping on my laundry room floor. And you guys would for two years sing and it was just acapella like, for every day. He just wouldn't get out of bed. And I was like, we need something. Hey, and soul it, sister, we need something. Hey, soul <laughs> sister. And then he's like, <sighs> and then, you know, now um, well, can attest every time we have a team meeting, we just to kick things off and make sure that tonally we're, we're aligned. We play drops of Jupiter and every person they they cry one tear and we catch it in a cup and then we pass that cup around. And everybody takes a sip. I think it's genius. Yeah. Uh, what, what I'm really upset about is that you guys didn't have the same uh, inherent like magnet, you know, like magnetics, you know, like being like magnetically pulled to uh, Nickelback. So, I mean, there could have been like nickel train or, been, ben or was nickel, nickel heroic. heroic. Yeah. So Ben was a quarterback and he hated nickel defenses. So just mm, this is part of it. He didn't like the nickel back. No, I'll tell you the real story about nickel back. Uh, the one that actually grinds my gear. So one, uh, they make bad music. Um, and I think that's uniformly understood except for in this little room. This is like a little room that single-handedly somehow supports all of their revenues and keeps them alive. Uh, we celebrate their entire collection. Yeah. Uh, Nickelback I know, are lyrical we is, geniuses. We is a contained uh, group here. However, when I was going, I'll, I'll never forget this. When I when was you going went to your first my, Nickelback concert? No. When I was going into my hip surgery. So I, they, <laughs> you know, they, they give me the juice and I'm going in there and things start to fade. And I get into the OR and I see all of the people who are going to be working on me. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty intense. And the tail end of a Nickelback song is playing. And I'm like, this is how it all ends. <laughs> what was the back? song? I don't remember. What if, so like your life comes Give to an end, you close your eyes and all of a sudden you wake up in like the pearly gates and it's Chad Kroger is God and Nickelback has been the test for humanity and you fail because you're not a Nickelback fan. I'm obviously not qualified. This is a real Pascal's wager type of thing. You may as well love Nickelback. You may as well love Nickelback. This is, it I all mean, ties back. At the end of the day. Hold like, on. Nickelback transitioned seamlessly into matchbox 20 and just that association if nothing else proves how bad it is matchbox wait when he came first yeah that that was he's uh, talking about at surgery i'm right? saying in the surgical yeah. oh in fuck. the or and you mean they were playing tail so end of nickelback, nickelback winding down boom rob thomas so coming which, up and i'm like which which this uh, is so bad and which, literally the lights go out i don't remember a which thing after uh that, which matchbox 20 saw uh man, it's like it smooth. i bet it was smooth <laughs> no, it was smooth. Smooth is safe because Carlos. So Santana does smooth. play guitar. That is on that. mostly a Santana that's a really, song. That's a really yin yang thing. You know? uh, yeah, you're the, like, this is great. This is bad. This is great. This is bad. So I was in college when Matchbox Twenty came out, and I remember walking into a bar and was it 3M and you were lonely? No, it was uh, that push song. I want to push you around. No, I was saying was the time 3 a.m. and you were lonely. <sighs> no, but I do remember uh, hating Matchbox 20 and like that, like just hearing it. So it, at Berkeley, you couldn't go to a bar without hearing County Crows. Ooh. So Adam, yeah. the lead singer from County Crows, uh, we used to see him out at bars and he was like a Berkeley dude. Yeah. So like Matchbox looks like a Berkeley dude. Yeah. Uh, fucking dude. Uh, the but, third eye blind lead singer is he's Steven, Berkeley guy. Steven he's Steven a Berkeley Steven. guy too. Yeah. Yeah. But like so county crows was real fucking big yeah uh even long past after they were big they were still big in berkeley mm-hmm. but i remember matchbox 20 coming on and being like this sucks so i actually would be pretty stoked if i heard nickelback 
And if it transitioned to Matchbox 20, somebody's going to get punched because that's a terrible transition. So, but just to be in the same musical family, don't you think that says something? You think that Matchbox 20 and Nickelback are in the same musical family? Apparently they are on the, on the same playlist. I don't just make random playlists. So I when you know, like they're themed, right? You're like, okay, this relates to this and it goes nicely with this. They're like musical pairings. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Like, uh, it's, so it's when like, these two things like coexist food. in the same room, I'm like, I just don't like this entire it's like uh, It's like tequila shots and sushi. You don't mix those. You don't mm. mix those. No, I feel like I, so. But these mix nicely in a way that's concerning. Where you're like, ah, everything about this says something. This is a genre for a certain kind of person that just I just so I, I can't spend too much time. I'll tell you this. I uh, I like I, I told you my Nickelback story. Um, splitting Chad Kroger's eye open, but uh, I was always um, a big fan of uh, Seven Dust. Mm. And so I met like Morgan, their drummer, and LeJohn and those dudes. And you put those in the same genre. No. So I'm just going to give you a little hint. And so uh, I was hanging out with those guys at the House of Blues on Sunset with Seven Dust. Went to go see him. And uh, we were hanging out backstage. And LeJohn was listening to Nickelback. To get inspired. And was like, dude, <laughs> like these guys are lyrically some of the best I've ever heard. Like the way they tie these. Like these are all fucking hits. And LeJohn was sitting there. And I was like, really? Nickelback? And he's like, just listen to it. Give it a chance. And I always, you know, I defer to other rock stars like yeah. like uh, Seven Game Dust. recognized game, uh, my man. Dude, Seven <laughs> Dust fucking tears it up. And LeJohn was fucking listening to Nickelback pre-show. And I'm like, dude, this is your this is your pre-game music is Nickelback? There's no fucking way. Yeah. And then I got to meet them. And they were actually cool cats. Welcome to Power Athlete Radio, sponsored by Nickelback. Ooh, you think we could do it? I don't know. We're putting it out into the universe. Put it uh, out there. Well, uh, there, there's also another thing, too, is when you're a fan of Nickelback, it really upsets people. Mm. So so if you're trying to make friends. Yeah, you just tell people, be like, hey, uh, or or if you invite people over. What are you over, interested in? Nice to meet no, you. No, you invite people over you, or they show up for a workout and you know the first thing you throw on? Nickelback. That's what happened this morning. It was weird. It was cool. I was like. This is ironic, right? It and you're like, what do you mean? And I was like, this is a, this, we're, we're joking, right? And I was like, what do you mean? And I was like, I'm living in a different dimension. You're like, hey, this is the song that I listened to when I went into surgery. This is great music. This is it. Yeah, Matchbox 20 is next. I just started sweating. Just God damn it, I hate Matchbox 20. <laughs> Whatever happened to those guys? That guy, uh, who Rob, was... Rob Thomas. Rob Thomas, what happened to him? I think he... Uh, go ahead. Text knows Tex because, knows. because, <laughs> because uh, look like, at him. On. He's like, I'm, there, I'm poised. There's a podcast. Yeah, it's great. Sixty it's, songs that define or describe the '90s. Mm. It's a ringer podcast, and it's a, a music critic. And I only listen, unfortunately, only listen to the first ten minutes. Yeah, where he writes his where he was in life and where this band was in life, where he heard these songs and they come together. But there's one about the third eye blind, semi charm kind of life. Yeah. Oh, it's great. And he goes through this this Berkeley guy's just essential resume that every band member that's ever been a part of Third Eye Blind ends up just quitting and then saying how much this guy sucks. Mm. In it is this rap battle between Rob Thomas and then the Third Eye Blind singer that they go through. Steven something. Um, Jenkins, I think. Jenkins. And I think that is between the two the of The battle between those two guys. It's worth the listen of this podcast episode. Because what he says about Rob Thomas and Rob Thomas's comebacks on him are just will have you in freaking stitches. It's amazing. So I don't know what happened to him, but there's a lot of fat jokes in there. So maybe he ate himself. Rob Thomas and Tom Cruise got pretty close, right? 
I don't I know. It sounds like an urban legend. It's like the uh, uh, Phil Collins and the, you know. Um, well, the, I think he was a Scientologist. He was a big Scientologist. Oh, he was a Scientology I think guy? He was a big Scientologist. Oh. Wait, we're we're going to have to go. Jamie, Chad, check that. Chad Kroger. Also, you talk about the Phil Collins, like in the air of the night thing. Yeah, yeah in the air of the night, yeah, there was yeah. that whole thing, which is hilarious. Wait, what I, is this thing? So there, there was an urban legend with the air of the night. Uh, Phil Tom, or sorry, Phil Collins, a song in the air of the night. Yeah, like there was some weird thing where like, uh, like he watched somebody kill somebody, and there was like this whole urban legend around it. And uh, they've asked Phil Collins, and he's like. I don't know what the fuck anybody's talking That's about where crazy. this came on. He's like, that doesn't make any sense. And, One of uh, the best pump up songs. Uh, it, it that is, drum solo. It is played in that song at every NFL game. Yes, in pregame, so good. Like it, it was to the point where if we didn't hear uh, that song in pregame, you can't play. Uh, dude, everybody's like, they need to play this fucking Phil Collins song quick, or we we're not ready to go out. <laughs> I mean, dude, it was the type where all of a sudden you hear it come on and everybody got real silent. I'm like, oh, yeah, shit's about to yeah, go down. Yeah, yeah. something heavy. Ah, oh, dude, it, it, every, it's so crazy. And they even asked Phil Collins, they're like, why did they play this before every NFL game? And he's like, no fucking idea. Like, it's, it's the best if you look up the urban legend. He's like, ah, uh, it was like something about his buddy drowning and the guy watching him drown right. and letting him die. And he wrote this song. And then he was supposed to like – bring the dude to like a show and put a spotlight on him. Like there was some her whole, oh I'm, I'm not remembering do, the do version. You, do you know how strong this urban legend is? That's exactly the version of the story I heard. Yeah. That's it's like, it's verbatim. And what's yeah. crazy is I heard that when I was like 30 years ago, when I was like pretty young, when that song came mm-hmm. out, I remember my brother telling me like about it. And I'm and like, how the, passed f- it around. how the fuck? And I even asked him, like, how the fuck did you know? And he's like, I heard it from somebody else. I'm like, like who, quick, let me go tell my buddies who started this urban legend. So we might have to look that one up. But yeah, they've asked him. I'm looking it up to describe it. Keep stalling. Can't stall any longer than that text. Be yeah, you faster can. with your fingers. Uh, Nickelback's amazing. What's your favorite song? Man? <laughs> uh, Photograph. Adam says that with confidence. This is how you remind me. That first hit single just fucking slams. Tell me more. I cannot. I'm looking it up. I'm I just, cannot no, think. How of, does that slam? I can't think of a single Nickelback song in this very moment. That's I just worship their whole collection. I mean, they all sound the same. <laughs> <laughs> like, honestly, they all sound the same. <laughs> and you're like, okay, yeah, I think this uh, is... Wait, is this Creed? Uh, is this Nickelback? I don't care. Just turn so, it off. So the best part is, is that they know and they troll themselves. Like, you ever seen their music videos? Uh-huh. So they have one where, like... Uh, They're always in a field, like, spinning no, with, like, No, they, they have one where, like, uh, this guy's throwing, like, a house party. And uh, they're like, we need a band. And they go and they kid, they kidnap Nickelback. <laughs> and they pull him out. And the dude's like, fucking Nickelback. Do we have any time? Do, do we have any chance to get anybody else? And they're like, no. And they're, like, all bagged. And then, like, next thing you know, they're playing at this, like, backyard party. Like, so I think that they legitimately know. And so like, are they? Did they do that on purpose? This is what I want to know. Like, is that their music? Because sometimes when no, you see it with bands, it's like so Chad Kroger, they get produced into a direction. No, Chad, and you're like, they're Chad, probably cool people. But. Yeah, no, they, they were cool cats. Like, yeah. uh, they were legitimately cool cats, and they know uh, that. Like, because I asked them, like, who writes this shit? And they're like, he does. And they're and like, but and uh, I was like, do you guys have any input? They're like, no, it's solid gold. Like every one of these things goes fucking platinum and like they sell it and they were like, uh, is it like, do we like it? It's kind of like Jimmy Buffett where like, you know, uh, you know, cheeseburger in paradise (laughs) where like you hear it and it's kind of like, what the fuck is this guy singing about? But yet people show up to the shows and they got shark fins on their heads and they're fucking (laughs) in on it. Right. People love Jimmy Buffett. Yeah. 
Same type of shit with Nickelback. Like, we went to their show. It was fucking packed. Like, I mean, they sold out 60,000 people, and people were going crazy for Nickelback. So there's a lot of Nickelback fans out there. I just don't I think. I don't have any doubt about that. There's a lot of a lot of kind of people out there. Well, I just don't think that uh, a lot of people are comfortable enough admitting that they're mm. Nickelback fans. So it's an insecurity issue. It is. 100%. Okay. Being like, oh, I hate Nickelback, but I totally have all their concert tickets. Yeah, I play this so many times. If your Spotify sends you your end of year review, and it's like, <laughs> you are in the top 5% of Nickelback, Nickelback listeners. You're like, hide this. <laughs> I think there are a lot of people who actually Honey, no. they don't listen to lyrics either. Like, there are people who will mindlessly repeat what's being sung, and then I know this because my wife, I'll sing the song. She's like, wait, that's what the lyric is? I've heard this a million times. And she'd be singing along to it and not even know what she's saying. She's like, I don't like the song anymore. <laughs> okay. Are we ready? I got all the versions here. Oh, oh bring it. Of the urban legend of Phil Collins? Of Phil Collins in the air tonight. Mm-hmm. In one version, an inebriated Collins watches from afar as another man watches someone drown. Yep. And another, he's in a boat with another person during a downpour when it capsizes. And though he swims ashore, a random onlooker watches without offering help, and his companion ends up succumbing to the current. There's another where Phil Collins takes revenge on a man who raped his wife. Whoa. Though that seems to be the best result Never of a particularly heard that bad before. telephone game connection. And in many versions of the story, the person responsible for letting the man drown is invited to the Phil Collins concert. And he puts a light and on And in him. a dramatic, climactic moment... Has a spotlight shown on him. Drum solo. And drum solo. And dramatic. <laughs> what if you're at the Phil Collins show and this song comes on, the drum solo, and they put the light on you and you're Randomly. Right. That, you get your ass beat. You're like, oh, get out. I wasn't even alive when this happened. And what's crazy is I heard this urban legend so long ago. It, like, I remember my brother telling me when I was like, we saw the video. This is how old this is. We saw the video on MTV. And that's when my brother told me what really was about. Mm. And, Does MTV still exist? Uh, no, I think it just shows um, real worlds. So over like, and over. I uh, don't know what happened to MTV, but it's still on. The comedy, everybody, Comedy Central, VH1, MTV. So same person owns all this. Yeah, but they don't really show music anymore. They just show real world reruns. Mm. And I know that because, man, like, I'm not kidding you. When I was a kid and I remember uh, when MTV was, like, first starting, like, my dad was, like, amazed. He, he was like, so wait a minute, you guys are watching music? Yeah. And uh, he's like, you could just listen to it. I'm like, well, we are listening and we're watching, but there's videos. And uh, I remember, like, my dad couldn't, like, wrap his head around this, that we were sitting there watching music. But, uh, dude, we loved it. We watched it nonstop. Yeah. Now I have a, a well, an older guy I knew or met. And we were playing, listening to Spotify. He's like, oh, I bet I can't play Chopin. He was an older French guy. And I just pull it up. He, he's, he was delighted that like anyone could listen to like classical anything. music or anything they wanted to. He just couldn't fathom how it was possible, right? Uh, the problem would happen to MTV and what I like to refer to as uh, the cultural sodomite, which was the real world, which was the first reality show that's completely ass-fucked our entire society. And so like when people ask me, I'm like, MTV when they hit that they that, was, that was a cultural sodomite yeah I mean it changed changed the world yeah it did Big I deal. mean uh, all of a sudden like I think social media I think all of these things started with that first moment like yeah. when people stop pretending and start being real and I remember the star like the original real world the New irony York. of that statement is that's ridiculous it's yeah. crazy when they stop pretending and they start, start being, being real, real kicked off a world where everybody Stopped being real and started, started pretending. Fuck. 
Well, my head just popped off. I mean, that's that's a pretty wild deal. Yeah, and, and it really did. It shook up a, a whole culture. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, like it it fucking blows me away. And then they ruined MTV because they stopped shooting uh, showing videos. They just yeah. showed that fucking nonsense yeah. all the time. And then you and had then to it watch to the box. Do you remember the box? Yeah. Uh, no. What the is box it? you could call. You could dial a number and you could request a song. It was like a TV jukebox. Mm. And all you had to do was pay $1 and it would play the thing you wanted it to play. Dude, they used my to My little have... sister used to steal my parents' credit card and just be like addicted to just playing like Britney Spears songs over and over. And I was like, what is going on? This is crazy. Dude, they used to have in, uh, in college, uh, they had uh, uh, a headbangers ball. Yep. They had actually Headbangers Ball from Berkeley, and they did it in like our alumni room, and we oh, got wow. to go and meet Ricky Rackman. Wow. And uh, we got to request some music, which was cool, because at the time, all we listened to was Metallica mm-hmm. and Slayer. Yeah. So then it was like nothing but Black Album, Master of Puppets, and this. And uh, it was you know Ronnie James Dio, you know Holy Diver, which is still to this day one of my favorites. That's a good song. Uh, but yeah, like, uh, dude, they used to have head, Headbangers Ball. They, I mean, dude, there was so much incredible like real music cool shit on mtv and then it just got i have a cultural sodomite fun trivia question what is the most played music video ever on mtv Mm. don't look at my screen john is it aha take on me no uh here's your hint the year that this came out anyway is 1983 I'm going to guess MJ. Video Killed the Radio Star. No, it's got to be Madonna. MJ or Madonna. 1983. 1983. That doesn't Your matter. second hit is... Huey, Huey Lewis in the News? Second hint is Basketball. No. 1983 Music and it, Basketball. Hip to be square? Huey Lewis in the News? If it was Huey Lewis, the hint would be Back to the Future. Mm. Right. Basketball. John thinks that uh, Huey Lewis is criminally underrated. Take on me? No. Yeah, that Think was of the, one of the, the psychouts, one of the original psychouts that they started. God, you know, basketball was actually the precursor for CrossFit. Yeah. So there was a lot of parallels in that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Steve Perry. Steve oh. Perry. You don't remember that psych out where they're just saying Steve Perry's name? Well, that doesn't lead me to the uh, music. I want Journey? TV. Journey. 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 Uh, uh, I'm just going to tell you. Journey separate ways because you're never going to guess yeah. that. That is the that most is the played most played music. Video God in damn it! Uh, I would have never fucking got that. I know because then they started to transition into television shows. Yeah. Huh. So then but it they, just interrupted the content. Yeah. And, and the music like, video yeah. is hilarious. So you got to watch it. Essentially, they're on like some boardwalk yeah. next to water, and they're playing air air instruments. So they don't even have anything. They're just a band playing together. Just like jamming on air instruments. Which is probably a very stimulating music video. Do you know what the, at the time, like the most expensive music video ever made was? Probably take California Love. Uh, Thriller. Thriller. Yeah, Thriller was like, yeah, Thriller was like, that was a big deal. That was the most expensive music video. They spent like a million dollars to make it. Yeah. Which sounds hilarious now. Yeah, now you're like, oh, it was a million dollars. Yeah. Okay. Peanuts. Yeah. Good idea. (sighs) Fuck. Uh, But yeah, he had like beat it. Uh, which was which was another cool MJ Madonna all day in the Mm -hmm. in the eighties. Nice. So with the to uh, bring it on, loop it on back with you know stack up. um, 
you know, we're seeing this first iteration. Uh, I got a better one, John. Before we go our separate ways, mm. Ben, mm-hmm. and bring it back to stack up. Okay. Because the, the song. Oh, it's a okay. seamless transition oh. that I. Uh, the So we obviously are seeing this beta version, uh, but there's going to be a lot more mm-hmm. kind of features added to it. So what's on the horizon? Uh, the biggest thing with, with stack up specifically is in the near future, like uh, we'll be looking more like social. So. Right now, it's just leaderboard. You can visit it. You can see where you rank. Uh, we didn't talk about the scaled score there, which is cool. Like it's a way of like adjusting for body weight. So that's another thing we heard people say like, "Oh, is that guy bigger than me? Like, how much more should he be able to lift?" And that's what that's supposed to do. But um, we're planning on things like following and profiles and custom groups. So I mean, you can talk smack to your friends on you know you have your own little groups within you know Jack Street or something that like can get together. Um, that's the biggest thing is putting on that social there. Yep. Uh, there'll probably there'll be some feature up, you know, small feature updates and stuff like that. But the most you know, visible thing in the like medium term would be that. Yeah. And not even just like if you're on Jack Street with somebody else. I mean, the future is like not, not everybody's always training for the same stuff. Your buddies are probably not all sharing the same training goals. And so the idea that you can remain connected to other athletes around the world who you might not even be close to. Like I have my brother who's now in Puerto Rico. I have buddies who are in California and Chicago and all over the coast. And to be able to form groups with these people, remain committed to that thing, support one another along our journeys, talk smack along the way, and just like make a fun virtual locker room where you can just have fun, right? Have a good time, stay committed to this thing, remain true to your values as who you are as kind of like a everyday athlete. I think social is going to be a big, big piece of it. Um, And then a lot of it's also just going to be feedback loops based on our actual users, right? Like, um, the more people provide feedback into the system, the more we evolve the system to support our people, yeah. right? It's, we really take performance to the people seriously. And it's like, we build these things based on yeah. the input of a massive community around the world. We're not just inventing stuff and hoping it lands. It's like, we're just like a coach, right? We're constantly taking inputs based on what we're seeing in the field, how people are responding to new stimulus and then adapting that environment around them so that they can continually find more progress in their journey. Yeah. So the big thing about what was saying was like, you know, and again, we're talking about society and social networks at dinner last night. It's like, how many strong connections can you actually maintain? Like, you can have an Instagram account where however many people follow you or you follow however many people. But at the end of the day, I don't, you know, again, I'm, I have a hip thing kind of like Ben does. And I do safety bar squats to a certain depth. Like, it's not a competition squat, but it's my criterion effort. Right? It's the thing I'm trying to get better at. I care if Ben sees that. Ben and I are friends and I care about Ben's opinion. And I, I, I want him to see that I'm making progress. Like yep. I want to share that with him. I want to be on his little, in his little world. I don't need, I don't even like post that to Instagram. I just don't, I'm not a person who cares about that. Well, uh, I'm always amazed by the amount of unsolicited, uh, like unsolicited advice or more importantly, like unsolicited feedback. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, at least for me, like unless somebody engages me or like sends me something or like tags me in something, I don't really comment. Like I don't yeah. go through people's stuff mm-hmm. and like, uh, I don't know. It's just, it, it's super yeah. strange to me that uh, like people feel that because you put it out in the world, then therefore that demands for their point of view or opinion, which still fucking blows me away. I'm like, yeah. dude, if I put something on Instagram, it's not, you know, and if I say, Hey, I'm looking for feedback or, you know, what do you guys think? Give me your opinions. Then I'm yeah. doing it. But if sure. I put something but- out there, you know, I posted pictures of the stairs I built and like people are like, Fuck, right. I mean, I'm not looking for critiques. Those aren't great stairs, all, John. All most people yeah. want is to be seen. Yeah. Well, right? uh, and by, and somebody's like, are those Bluetooth steps? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, well, 
if you read, it's not fucking done yet, dipshit. Yeah. Well, there's a difference, right? Like we're there's there's some core differences um, when we talk about building our network and adding social elements to this thing. One, we get to look at all of these networks that are out there today that, in our in our personal opinion, are not necessarily on balance making the world better, mm-hmm. right? And I think as athletes and coaches, we have an orientation towards progress and making the world better. And I think it's like, how do you develop? What would social look like in an athlete world, right? What would social look like in a way that actually progresses things forward? And how do you take those things to build truly a better world? Um, that's not like steeped in nonsense and misinformation and people shouting each other down and people getting really aggressive, but it's like, it should be more supportive. It should be more community driven. It should be more local than global. And what, how do we design that thing? And so I think, um, that's what all of our users are going to get to participate and witness is we're going to build that world. And that's, that's what we're shooting out to do. And I, I expect it to be a challenging effort, um, that our team is very willing to take on. Um, but I think like in general, everything's going to be moving people to achieve their best and to become the best version of themselves. The one that they always have said, this is who I want to be, right? I want to be the kind of person who works hard. I want to be the kind of person who goes through struggle. I want to be the kind of person who feels support and supports others. I want to be the kind of person who remains dedicated to a goal without quitting when it gets, you know, a little bit nasty. And so I think that's what we're really trying to design solutions for. And what's unique about our business relative to those other networks is we don't rely on attention to drive revenue. We ask people to pay fair prices for very expensive work that we do. And that's really challenging. And so we're not beholden to getting millions and millions and millions and millions of people instantly on this thing. And we're not trying to just suck up their attention. Our only goal is to make you better. And we believe that we can charge you fair rates for making people better. And that's worth worthwhile work to do in the world. So whereas like a different model, like Facebook, for example, is focusing on putting as much information as, as possible to try to effectively get you sucked up yep. and to absorb as much as your time. Yeah. I think what we're looking for is like, what is a really high level, uh, very streamlined, excellent process that allows you to hit your goals, reach performance, and then go on with your life and not get fucking 100%. sucked into this. We want you to get in, have your training experience, and get out of here. Well, I mean, even for our training programs, uh, this is something that I constantly wrestle with. Like, what's the minimal effective dose? Yep. I mean, like, I know I can pound in a nail if you give me 50 fucking hits, but if I do it just right, I can get it in in one or two. And, uh, you know, that idea of, like, you don't have to put the nail like six feet through yep. through the board. And I think, unfortunately, when I look at a lot of programs and things that people do, they're just using more strikes to try to get this done. And I'm like, you need to like hit this perfectly violent and drive in the nail. And then once it's hit, you move on to the next yep. one. So like the minimal effective dose and like what's smart, what allows you to, you know, and I've, I've told people this for years, I would much rather you give me three or four days of consistent effort over the course of a year, then yep. give me like three hard days, take a few days off, three hard days, take a week off. Yep. And so, you know, as uh, when we looked at all of the data um, and I pulled all the athletes, the athlete that consistently trained the most cross sections with the person that makes the greatest performance yep. gains. Yep. So I think if it becomes too, like too laborious, just too involved, just too fucking like cryptic, it's like Facebook, man. I fucking hate it. Like uh, I log on there and I'm like, I, I really like Facebook Marketplace because Craigslist is dead. Because yeah. we can, I'm always like looking for random, you know, gym equipment mm-hmm. and shit. But for the most part, like the social interactions feel like very 
preachy and yeah. it's just not a good mm-hmm. environment. So I really credit the, like the work that you guys have done with creating not only uh, an excellent training tool that's, you know, uh, but it's more than workout delivery. It's, uh, you know, community adherence, uh, you know, tracking this. I mean, it's really just went from this like original. And I remember what you originally pitched to me all those years ago. And it's really grown into this just really cool feature that enhances your training experience and hopefully adds to your life. Yeah, we appreciate that. And I, I think for us, it's also just a quest. Like we're not, we are literally just getting started. And I think right now we're at an interesting point in our evolution where our capacity has has increased at a level where we're like, hey, we can start to take on some really meaty challenges and do things that, you know, our users request relatively basic things. And we're like, we're going to definitely deliver on those basics. But our intention over the next 12 to 18 months is to deliver things that people have no expectation for and that people haven't been asking for, but we believe they really will value and need. So um, I think it's, we're excited. We're excited and we're, we're, we're so thankful for the community that y'all have fostered on there and how that's blossomed and really kind of taken root uh, in our ecosystem and been an example for so many others to follow as our marketplace continues to grow. I mean, it's growing well over 100% per year. And it's like, this is a network that's becoming stronger. It's becoming richer. It's becoming more diverse. It's supporting all sorts of walks of life on all sorts of different journeys. And we hope that that continues. And we hope that the work that our team puts in finds uh, a strong purpose. Um, And then they find meaning in in doing that work. And um, we're supporting real folks here. These are not like... You know, again, just the hardcore elite athletes that are on there. Sure, that's great. But like our bullseye is somebody who is everybody who's committed to whatever is important to them. Do you have a goal? Do you have something you're dedicated to? Let's help you stay focused on that thing. Let's help you stay on that journey and kind of get over those hurdles. Cool. Awesome. Well, guys, thanks for coming and uh, joining us on Power Athlete Radio. Anything else, Mr. McQuilkin? Negative. Awesome. Where do people go to get a seven-day free trial? Uh, inexperienced training relic. Well, you can come through Power Athlete HQ. You can go through and kind of navigate, look at our programs, and then it'll take you to our uh, buddies here at Train Heroic. Or you can just go to the Train Heroic Marketplace and search Power Athlete or Jack Street or any of these programs. Or, or just downloads. download the app in the App Store, y'all. Train Heroic on the App Store. And go or to the, the App Store. Store. Or the Google Play Store. So cool. All right, guys. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Bye. Look at that photograph. Now it's time for you to empower your performance. Head to powerathletehq.com backslash training to choose from a number of programs to meet your specific performance goals. And if you like to break a mental sweat too, visit academy.powerathletehq.com and become a real stakeholder in you or your athlete's success. Until next time, bye!